Podcast. Hello there from Bedford. How are you all? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did Podcast, which is brought to you by Kraken, the best place to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. We are living in very strange times right now. The UK has just been put into lockdown. And after posting a tweet a couple of days ago, where I talked about supporting some ideas around central planning with regards to the coronavirus, I was approached by Alex Svetsky to discuss the government reaction to COVID-19 and the impact that this may have upon civil liberties. So quite a complicated subject, and I appreciate there are some people who hugely disagree with my opinions on this, that hate everything the government does and are very suspicious. I do appreciate that. So I also am very grateful for Alex to come on the show to discuss these subjects. But before we get into this, I do have a message from my show sponsors. So first up, let's talk about consensus. And due to coronavirus, consensus will no longer be a live event. So consensus and blockchain week New York City will now be a completely virtual event. And if you have already purchased a ticket to consensus 2020, they will be issuing full refunds. They will also be bringing together the community online to educate, grow and create meaningful connections. So they are still moving forward with a packed agenda and this will include many people from the Bitcoin industry, leaders and special guests. So if you're interested in this, you can register at consensus2020.com, which is C-O-N-S-E-N-S-U-S-2020.com. Also, I want to talk about Coin Tracker, and as I mentioned in my last show, I've got an interview coming up with their CEO, Chandan. There were a few people questioning why I would have a tax company sponsoring the podcast, and I wanted Chandan to talk about some of the risks of avoiding tax. Now, this isn't me supporting the state. This isn't me supporting tax. This is me accepting the reality that if you don't pay your tax, there are certain consequences. I do pay my tax. I don't want to, but I do pay it. So I've got Chandan coming on. I'm going to release that tomorrow. It's just a little short 30-minute bonus show so you can check out that and some of the implications but coin tracker is a very very easy way to calculate your taxes i've run my wallets and my exchanges through it and it calculated my taxes in about two minutes it is available for the us uk canada and australia it is free if you have fewer than 200 transactions and you can also get a 10 percent discount by using the link cointracker.io forward slash a forward slash wbd which is c-o-i-n T-R-A-C-K-E-R dot I-O forward slash A forward slash W-B-D. And also, let's talk about my other new sponsor, Sat Street, which has now officially launched. And I know a bunch of you have checked it out and I know a bunch of you like what they're doing. I also ran a competition recently up on my Twitter. It's still live. Go and check out my Twitter feed if you want to enter that. But Sat Street is the easiest way to send Bitcoin to everyone you know. With Sat Street, you can gift a Bitcoin to people by email. And not only that, Sat Street gives you many ways to earn Bitcoin because they are bringing together all the top referral programs in the industry into one place. So Sat Street will reward you for every person you invite that earns Bitcoin. So newcomers get to learn about Bitcoin and earn Sats. And at the same time, you get rewarded for helping grow the network, which is very, very cool. So if you want to earn Bitcoin and you want to find out more, head over to satstreet.com, which is S-A-T-S-T-R-E-E.com. Okay, so onto the show, and this is a complicated one, and this is a challenging show, and following my conversation with Giacomo, I have been wrestling with the state response to the coronavirus. I am a Bitcoiner, and I am somebody who has been down the libertarian rabbit hole over this last couple of years. I've never been fully convinced of a functional country without a state, and 
I think clarity is important here before people start diving in and saying you slave and you status, which I get a lot on Twitter. It's not that I support our governments right now or their previous actions. I think there's a lot to dislike about uh, the state. But I have always struggled to imagine a society without one. Does it descend into Mad Max society? Do we all need a tank? I also worry that it doesn't consider certain types of human behavior. And also, there is a world outside of this. There are people who want to live in a democracy, who do want to live with a state. Uh, I didn't vote in the last UK election. There, There was nobody I liked. And I just kind of felt, I don't know, I just felt disillusioned with the whole thing. But... I do agree that we need some kind of radical change to how society is structured, and I do think Bitcoin can influence that. But I am wrestling with the practical reality of society today and dealing with the impacts of this coronavirus crisis. We are facing a collapsing health system and people are dying, and the lockdowns come with a trade-off of potentially collapsing the economy and eroding our civil liberties. And I'm kind of wrestling with what is the best path here. While some believe the erosion of our civil liberties is not worth the cost, and we should allow people to make their own choices, does this put at risk innocent third parties? What about frontline medical teams who are under huge strain and risking their lives each day? Further, what about the will of the people? Like I said, we do live in a state, we do have a government, and we do have democracy. If the will of the majority of the people is to have a government implement procedures to protect us, then should these be ignored? I appreciate this is a very complicated subject, but I do think it needs discussing. I think it's very easy just to shout status and slave at people who maybe consider that a government reaction is required, but what is the alternative? Are humans just a number? Should we just let this wash through the system and allow a bunch of people to die? So, yeah, following my tweet discussing my own view, I was approached by Alex Svetsky. He wanted to discuss this with me. And I think we both handled it well. It's a pretty long interview. It does go on for nearly three hours. But I think we came out of it understanding each other's position. But, yes, I appreciate this is complicated. Happy to field any questions. Just hit me up. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. But yeah, crazy times right now. We're in a lockdown in the UK. I am continuing to work. I will be focusing on financial stuff and also the state response to some of this. But if you've got any questions, do feel free to reach out to me. Alex, man, how are you? I am good. I'm alive. Apparently not a zombie yet. So we'll see. Yeah. Very, very strange times. I think I've started every podcast I've done in the last week or so with very strange times, but these are very <laughs> strange times we're living in, dude. Fucking uh, holy crap. Um, <laughs> this is this is what it took for us to get on a pod together, huh? Only, only, well, the, only the world burning down. It's all right. But we would have got it eventually. I mean, usually, you know, I like to do them in person, so we, we were going to have to wait for one of those times where we're at the same same place and the stars align. But now I don't have that choice right now. So Indeed. now we're, do, we're going to a remote, uh, which I don't like as much. I always prefer to be sat in front of somebody, but we, we will make it work. But very strange times. You obviously pinged me yesterday. So um, I have a habit of saying things that uh, don't... <laughs> That can sometimes poke poke the bear within certainly within the Bitcoin community, which yeah, uh, well, let's say um, the Bitcoin and and let's say the Bitcoin community. There's a lot of very uh, strong opinions with regards to governments, the state, a lot of libertarians and uh, and anarcho capitalists. So th- this would particularly have rolled some people up, and I get that, and I knew it would, but I do believe it's something worthy of debate. Yeah. Well, look, I mean. It, it obviously made me smack my head and 
and I think um, I think those a lot of those opinions, you know, are well founded and well grounded. Um, you know, there, there is, you know, I mean, Agreed. in every in every space, you get people who you know buy into ideologies and run around without fucking understanding them. And you know that obviously happens here. And I think you can see that in a lot of the um, in sort of the, the the fake you know libertarians, which like one of the people I respect so much these days is like Giacomo because he's just he's consistently kept a a moral compass in, you know, in the direction of what he believes in. He's just consistently called people out from fucking trace to God knows what. And like, I feel like what you said just needs to be discussed. And I think there's a, um, there's a smarter way of, of explaining, you know, the, the other viewpoint, you know, or the anti-status viewpoint or whatever the fuck we're going to call it. So. Yeah. So, and let's also be clear that I am not an expert on libertarian, libertarianism or anarcho-capitalism. Neither am I. I don't uh, think anyone is. and and neither of us are experts in pandemics, the spread of viruses. Uh, neither of us are set in the position where we're having to run a government. We're, we're, let's just be very clear. We're just two people living through a situation probably with similar concerns, maybe different opinions on, on what's happening. And one thing, uh, a couple of things I wanted to say before before we start is that I've never like people are saying uh, a lot of responses were saying to me yesterday. You were a, a bootlicker, and and now you're a, you were were a libertarian, and now you're crying to the government for help. I think a lot of the responses were very unhelpful, and I think very fucking childish, to be honest. I think I think you can debate the point without having to throw such bullshit at somebody. I've I've always historically been somebody who believed in the state because I didn't know of another option, Alex, right? Mm. Pre-Bitcoin, my view, my worldview was there is a state and we get to vote who is in power. Mm-hmm. And I lived from a privileged position of the UK where we, in, in my lifetime, we haven't lived under authoritarian regime. Uh, we have had a let's say that the the states uh, has descended into more kind of authoritarian policies. Yeah, we have crappy censorship rules and uh, we have quite high surveillance, but, you know, we're not living in China here. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's only in getting into the Bitcoin world that I learned about libertarianism, anarcho-capitalism, these different ways of thinking. And I I certainly have a lot of sympathies with them and a lot of things I like about it. I've interviewed Eric Voorhees a couple of times about it. I've interviewed uh, Michael Goldstein. I've interviewed Stefan Levera. And there are lots of things I like about it, but I'm not fully sold on it being a, a, a perfect solution myself. So I've never, I've never gone around saying, oh, I'm a libertarian. I've always said I, I, I like a lot about libertarianism, but I think there's a, a certain areas that are flawed as well. So it's important to say that. It's important to get that out first. Um, and and I, that doesn't mean I can't Bitcoin. It just means I have a different view. Fair. Actually, while, while we're there, what, what areas, just out of curiosity, because I think this will help us um, navigate the, um, the discussion, is what, what areas do you think are flawed or what areas still don't gel for you? So interestingly, despite me uh, having a raging argument with Francis Poulier yesterday, it was him who introduced me to the concept of minarchism, like a very small state responsible, like the night watchman state. Mm-hmm. So despite him calling me a bootlicker, he, he, that, that is still the belief of, of, of a state of some kind. Mm-hmm. And I've always felt that it's quite impractical to just be a libertarian on its own and then comment on global politics because there is, I, I've never seen everyone present me the path for moving from uh, the state we have now to a libertarian structure. 
which I think is important. I think well, you can what do you mean by a libertarian but, structure, though? Well, libertarian structure meaning, you know, essentially no structure, <laughs> no government, no state, all voluntary interactions with open free markets, the things that I've learned about. And what, what, what I'm saying is, like, I think you can live day to day with a libertarian mindset. But ultimately, if, if you want uh, a libertarian society, I've always wanted to know, well, how do we get there? What, what are the steps for getting there? And something always stuck with me from Eric Voorhees, where he said, it's, it, it almost he said, it's like, it's too big a leap. But let's start with how do we have less government? Mm-hmm. How do we reduce the government by 5% or 1% and do that every year? Because every year, all we ever get is more government. And again, that's something I really like. I can hang my hat to that. But I also, I spend a lot of time with people outside of the Bitcoin world. And I spend a lot of time with people who are essentially statists because they believe in left and right and they vote <laughs> they, they vote every election and then they blame the government when things go wrong. And... <laughs> We can sit here in our uh, uh, radical bubbles debating how bullshit the government is, but there is the practical reality of day-to-day life, and there's the that practical exists. reality of what the, that, that nine, the, the 99% outside of this world are dealing with. And I think it's important to res- to, to think about those practical realities. So right. so that, that's that's where I am, but, but I'm not going to claim to be an expert in any of this. But I am trying to be practical. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Look, me, me neither. So me, you know, for, for me, I've I've never sat down and you know, quote unquote, studied you know, what is libertarianism and and libertarianism to me is sort of one of these things that has a lot of principles and ideals, but but I don't think anyone is really clear on what the structure looks like afterwards, right? So you, you mentioned something there, which was uh. You know, when I said, what, what does the, you know, the libertarian structure look like afterwards? And you sort of said, oh, no structure. And, and I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if um, that's true or accurate because I don't think that's what uh, libertarians sort of, you know, drive as a concept, at least not, not from where I stand. I, I guess, you know, Bitcoin has been a catalyst for me to really become more, um, I guess, interested in the schools of thought and in the principles that, you know, libertarians have sort of been talking about for a long time. But I think one of the core pillars to me that I find important is this idea of, um, you know, personal property rights and having a low cost to defend yourself versus there being a high cost um, to attack someone. And what, what that little primitive does at the base is um it diminishes the need for a group of representatives to have to organize in order to protect um you know the clan the group the society the nation whatever fucking level we talk about um you know in in order to protect you know their their property rights um and protect them from violence etc um I, i don't think the idea of libertarianism is even possible without the ability to cheaply defend your wealth. Um, so I think, you know, libertarianism as a concept to date has been purely fucking fictional uh, without the advent of Bitcoin. So, so Bitcoin is, the, is, a, is a real catalyst for it. So I think that's probably one thing we need to sort of just put out there. And then I think the next part is just trying to understand, you know, what does a system or a society like that look like? And I actually think... You know, libertarianism doesn't mean no organization or no structure. I actually think that it means, um, you know, some sort of organization or structure that is more 
rooted in, you know, competency, something, something that actually looks a little bit more like a business where, um, where there is a direct measure of, um, you know, competency to protect or, um, competency to defend. So I'll, I'll throw out a random example. I was talking with someone one day and we're like, you know, it was kind of the, the Citadel discussion, right? It's, um, what, what, what does a Citadel look like? And, you know, how does, how does a Citadel fund its, um, you know, its protection from some sort of crazy fucking external threat. Well, in that sense, I thought, well, shit, what if the, you know, citizens of the Citadel collectively put together, you know, a couple percent of their wealth, which is easily measured verifiable, you know, let's assume that it's all in Bitcoin at this point in time, to, you know, they, they pool those funds um, and they, you know, somebody either runs defense um in that citadel or there's a number of free open contractors who are running defense um in order to protect fucking people or you know then you've got private police you've got all these sorts of things so i don't think it's a it's an absence of structure i think it's um it's something that solves itself on a um on a needs basis as opposed to how we try and solve problems today which is on a fucking assumptive basis um, but there's which, always, there's always going to be some needs for some form of governance in there. I think what what we're talking about is it's more decentralized governance, small, smaller scale, localized small, governance. Well, yeah, exactly. So I think localized is a big fucking answer to a lot of the um, the dramas that we have, mm-hmm. and we we haven't been able to really do localized call it governance, you know, on mass because we just haven't had the um, the tools and the infrastructure to do that in the past. But you know, the the, the shit's changing. It, it's funny. As as the stuff um, as localized governance is becoming more of a reality, so is large scale authoritarian draconian fucking governance. It's like it's mm. this fork that's sort of spreading simultaneously at the same time. Kind of, you know, I've, I've got this conspiracy theory that um, Satoshi is someone from the future that literally came back and dropped this shit off for us because, you know, without it, you, you actually don't, you know, the the localized, you know, form of free kind of um, order that is not possible without something like Bitcoin. It just literally isn't. So, But we are still talking about concepts which are, you know, I mean, I've never got into the whole Citadel thing. I've just not got into the, the talks about it. I, there's something about it I don't like. Something well, about it's a it feels, But it sounds very sinister to me sometimes. It makes me think of, have you ever seen Land of the Dead? Or is it Day no. of the Dead? It's one of the zombie movies, and it's yeah. it's an amazing movie. But essentially, the the non-zombie humans living in this kind of gated tower, I would mm-hmm. say, and outside of all the zombies, and it's actually what it does. It, it creates two. It's like a class system. The upper class are those living within the gated community, and the zombies are the lower class outside. It's really beautifully made. And eventually, and there's this amazing moment where the zombies eventually cross, they realise they can walk through the water. They'd never got in there before because they didn't think they could go through the water. Mm-hmm. Then they realise they do and they walk through and they attack the citadel. Um, my problem with the citadel is that it has a, a form of a, a defence, but I still think it. Ha- I still think we have this violent society. We all, we, <clears throat> we always do. Look, anywhere I've been recently in my travels, doesn't matter whether it's Bolivia, Chile, <laughs> Venezuela. Inequality always causes problems. 
it doesn't matter what societal structure you have, if you have high inequality, there's going to be uh, social unrest in, in a society of millions of people. So whenever people talk about the Citadel, I, I, I can't help but just think that, that it, it is a haves and haves not situation, which will ultimately have a social unrest around it and violence. I don't think it actually solves, I don't think it changes any of the problems we already have in society. Inequality is a symptom. Inequality is a symptom. It's not. It's not a. It's not a. Um. It's not a cause. So. So. What. What delivered the inequality in the first place? In those places that you've been. I. I don't think Bitcoin cha- changes inequality. You. You will always have inequality. Okay. Hard money does not stop inequality. It, I'm not saying it does. So. So I'm asking is let Let's first define the inequality you're talking about, and then let's talk about what actually, you know, spawns some of that inequality. So what, what what kind of inequality are you talking about? Are you talking about wealth inequality? Are you talking about uh, fucking locational inequality? Are you talking about skill inequality? Are you talking about educational I mean, inequality? Inequality comes down to the person who feels like they're in an unequal situation. So in the UK, inequality might be the cause of gang violence whereby... Uh, London Street gang members are growing up in poverty in, uh, let's say, deprived areas. They join the gang because the gang says you can earn money and you can get the latest trainers and you know they, they have the latest things. That could be their inequality. Inequality in Santiago, Chile now is those in, in the lower class paying taxes but seeing uh, an increase in transport costs and a breakdown of the pension system and believing they want education and health and they can't afford it. And that's their inequality. Inequality, I think, is it depends on the the, the location of the people. But when, wherever in history there has been inequality, there has always been uh, violence. I think also inequality is exacerbated these days by globalisation. I think, I think the advent of mobile phones and global TV networks means people are more exposed to what other people have that they don't. And I'm not excusing behaviour. I'm just recognising the patterns of, of violence surrounding inequality. Okay, so do you think inequality is a good thing or a bad thing? I don't think. E- I don't think either. I just think there are outcomes for in- inequality. I, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't say inequality is bad because then we're talking about communism, and we know communism is dangerous. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say inequality is good. It's just. It is just a thing that exists. But inequality has outcomes, which which leads to social unrest and violence. And it's it, when inequality becomes more extreme, and I think if you throw into the melting pot corruption, so a, a, an interesting point on you just um, said the magic word, okay? Yeah. So if you if you look at San, in Chile, so I was out there recently. One of the interesting points there was there is there is higher inequality there, and there's a lot of people in the lower class who have seen their parents or their grandparents' pensions wiped out by a, a new pension scheme which was poorly designed. They don't have access to education. They don't have access to wealth, uh, health. I'm not debating the, the, the value of socialism here right now. I'm just saying this is what they see and they're angry. And some of the uh, points that came back to me is like, well, what do you want? Do you want socialism? Socialism's evil, blah, blah, blah. The point is, is that Pretty much, I would say every single government and every single country is is socialist. There's just it's just a spectrum of socialism. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. From, but there's no denying that uh, the UK has socialist policies. We have the NHS. Despite having a conservative government, we have the NHS. We have welfare programs. We have programs for parents and single mothers and all different types, kinds of programs that are social programs. The US has social programs. In in Venezuela, they have food baskets being handed out. Every single country has socialism. Hundred so, percent. Every single country today is socialist. We we haven't had yeah, a capitalist fucking nation because yeah. um, we haven't had a tool for actual capitalism. But anyway, continue. So if if every country is socialist, let's just be a bit practical about this. Let's look at Santiago, Chile. Uh, sorry, not Santiago. Let's just look at Chile as a whole. These people live in a socialist country. They are paying their taxes, they are going to work, they are contributing to the, to the government, but they are unable to afford health care, but they are contributing to society and they are seeing masses of corruption within their government as well. So that's, that's where the inequality is there and that's why you get social unrest and violence. And it peaks when the inequality gets... And I think it peaks... I think it's a, it's a combination always of inequality and corruption. I think the cor- the inequality is something they feel, whereas the corruption is something they see, which almost I, throws tinder on the fire. Can I can I add some colour to this? And I think it's a really important yeah. distinction is that we've got two types. So the inequality you're talking about is symptomatic inequality. What what I believe is that you have natural inequalities in every organic system. You're different. Agreed. You have different things that I, you know, can't do. I have things that you can't fucking do. So natural inequality is extremely and extraordinarily fucking powerful, and that's a natural thing. And I don't think anybody fundamentally or naturally has a problem with people being different. That is actually what makes human beings human beings. It's what makes us well, unique. And, and no, some people cer- certainly do. Some people well, okay, okay. They, they, I mean, they, I mean, yeah, yeah, but I, I, loud I disagree voices with them. fucking morons, right? So yeah, and, um, and I disagree with them. Correct. So, so, but, but fundamentally, what makes us different, what makes us unique, is extremely important. Sorry, extremely important, and you know, makes us that. So, so, so that's that's inherent. Um, you know, call it uh, inequality, and you know, you you can build a powerful system off that. The, the problem is, so here we're talking about the ability to rig the game. It's not inequality that makes people angry. It's rigging the game, which causes symptomatic inequality later. That is fundamentally unfucking fair that then creates this second layer of inequality which is not causal it is symptomatic it sits above what real inequality is and then you have dumb cunts who get mixed up and they just point to inequality as this blanket term and they blame everything about inequality and they therefore think the solution to this is to make us all the same to make us all fucking communists or socialists or whatever as if that's the fucking problem it is not the problem it is the peace in between where somebody can rig the fucking game and whenever the the game gets rigged um particularly to a large extent like what you're discussing in south america or like what's been happening for fucking hundreds of years in africa or you know whatever other fucking place um when you rig the game people have these uh what's called um what's the what's the word like exogenous um uh, events so like shit happens externally to what they can control that creates greater and greater unfairness I, I would don't even want to call it um, inequality because you know I think there's a big difference between equality and fairness I think what actually makes people angry is fairness yeah I think that's a really me. important distinction but but I would say even in a fair system 
you can have inequality and, and, and that fine. inequality but i still think in that in that system fairness is subjective so inequality might still lead to violence and social unrest because what you think is fair and what i think is fair it, it might be entirely different look and and i'll agree with that you so you so you're never going to take the um you know i guess that that stems from deeper things like you know people's jealousy and people's um you know you know incompetence versus you know co competence ratio between others and you know the fact that it's you know potentially easier to tear somebody down than to build something up um and all of that sort of shit but that, yeah, that's yeah i think it, i think you need to throw in desperation in there as well in certain situations so if you go to for example someone like venezuela which is essentially a completely broken society a broken system which is uh highly socialist virgin on uh communist in certain ways in that they are handing out food baskets and uh, to to the poorest who can't survive on the the minimum wage. But where the society has completely broken down, and you have people there who they can't get enough money to survive, mm -hmm. or are also and or are also greedy. You have different. You have crime, which is stems from people who are, are just essentially gangsters yeah, yeah, who just yeah. want more well, and happy to rob. But you also have crime, which comes out of desperation as well. I mean, that I guess at some point, um, you know, survival is our core driver as human as as a species, anyway, right? So we're gonna we're going to find a way to survive. I think, you know, on an individual basis, you know, desperation is really real. Um, and now we're seeing, you know, desperation on a slightly, you know, more macro level with people freaking out about all this corona shit. So, so yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think those situations just become more real when you end up having, you know, a basket case scenario like what's happening in um in Venezuela, where you don't have some um core principles that uh that people can rely on, where where the where the game that you're playing is fundamentally fucking rigged and fundamentally flawed. You have that at a at a much broader scale, whereas when you have um, some rules of fairness, like this, I mean. You know, America, for example, is a is a really interesting case study. Is um, you know, I only recently started reading. Like, I saw that um play, the Alexander Hamilton one, and that just sort of got me really interested in how you know the the US was formed early on and all that sort of shit. And it was just really. Interesting. Where did you see it? Uh, I actually I had a friend record it. So I when I when I was in the US, I missed it while I was in um New York because I didn't know about it. But um, I ended up watching it as a recording on my laptop. Right, so I've seen it three three times, right? Okay. Twice in London and once in New York. And the reason I've seen it three times is I don't think there's anything out there creatively that's ever blown my mind as much as that. Like the first time I saw it, I was just like wowed. Just on like the creative level, the choreography, uh, the way the story is told, and so much so that I don't think I took the the, the full story in. So I had to go and see it again, and it it gave me a real deep interest in the U.S. Constitution. Yeah, me too. Something that I've been reading a lot about, yep. and the checks and balances that those forefathers wanted to put in place to ensure they had a fair and decent society. And interestingly, I've said this to a couple of people recently. It feels like that that Constitution is actually fundamentally brilliant in many ways, but is constantly under attack by those who can't get their way. Absolutely. I feel like Donald yeah. Trump attacks the Constitution. Well, everyone does because fucking there's um you know that they, they want some sort of gain um in their favor. But see that 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 Constitution is such a fucking incredible example 
of what happens to a society and how quickly it can develop itself when you place some really wide, fair, sound fucking rules that protect some basic things. And now they will, they managed to do that and build arguably the greatest fucking you know, nation in history, yada, yada, yada. And they did that with... Depends how you... Hold on. It depends how you measure... How you measure that, exactly. Nation. That's why I'm not sort of, you know... Because there are plenty of people point. would say they've that that it's built one of the worst nations in the world. It depends where how you measure it. I, there's a lot I really like about America. I've, there's no country I've visited more, but there's also a lot of things I don't like about it. And I think correct. And, but and but think, we are also. I, I like the internal stuff. I, I you know what I really don't. I, I don't dislike a lot of the external things. Correct. But let, let me finish my point here. Is that we're we're talking about America now, which is in the 2020s, which has become a fucking complete basket case, right? So. You know, I'm I'm talking about the um the genesis and the spirit of America and how it was able to come from nothing to being you know the dominant power in the world um, because it had these th- these ideals and these ideas in place um, as you know as a foundation. They were able to do that with 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 with. And this is really important to understand with a the the layer that society sits on, the bedrock that society sits on is a form of money. And they were able to do that with a fucked up form of money. Imagine if we can do something similar with that kind of constitution with a money that can't be coerced or fucked up or stolen or robbed or all the things that we're doing with the money today. You would have a much more extraordinary fucking situation. So the reason America has sort of peaked and turned into this you know, crony capitalist socialist fucking system is because despite having... Um, this incredible constitution that they were able to emerge with, they have a system where they can also steal through taxes, steal through in fuck inflation. And we're seeing the, the, the greatest inflation experiment in the history of fucking humankind right now with these idiots printing <laughs> platinum coins. Like, so so the, the, the problem is it always had an Achilles heel. And back then it was impossible to create something like Bitcoin, obviously, um, for this to happen. But I think we're going to have an opportunity you know to do a 21st century um, version of what they did in America um, with the constitution and i think that initial bedrock has to start from somewhere and unfortunately generally it has to start from fucking the rubble of um you know of the prior which i i, I don't think is going to happen right now i don't i don't i actually don't think corona is that bad but you know it's likely going to happen in the next decade or two um, where we're going to have to really rethink shit, but we're going to have um, an economic layer upon which we can um, we can do this, which we haven't had in the past. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, so that that's why, like, you know, I, I don't want to sound like one of those fucking gold bugs. Oh, it's different this time, but 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 it genuinely is because now now, like, I, I did a talk at um, if you do you know Daniel Wingen, um, who runs Value of Bitcoin. Say for the yeah, of course, yeah, yeah so, great guy. Yeah, so so I just did a um, I just did a talk at his conference in Austria, and the top my, my topic was Austrian economics doesn't work without Bitcoin. So all of this stuff, Austrian economics, libertarianism, you know, this idea of you know free societies, none of that shit, all of that stuff was a fucking pipe dream until the advent of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the fork in the road that makes all of that stuff practically possible because whilst the the unit through which social cooperation, through social interaction, through social cooperation, 
through, through which your work, my work, and all of that sort of stuff is uh, valued and measured and then able to be um, uh, interacted with, whilst that is measured and managed by someone, you will never have a truly capitalist society. You'll never have a free society. You'll never have a libertarian opportunity. You'll never have Austrian economics. All of that shit was a fucking pipe dream until fucking Bitcoin. So now we honestly have an opportunity to experiment with that kind of system. You know, the Keynesians won mm -hmm. because by definition, you know, that the Keynesian model means that somebody needs to manage it and play with it. Up until now, that's been the fucking only way. And it's been the way that if you have the right to, or, or sorry, not the right, but if you have the ability, if you're in a position to be able to manage it, you can significantly give yourself an advantage um, over others. And when we then tie that opportunity up with human nature um, and self-preservation, uh, I mean, of course, I don't give a shit if it's you, me, or anybody else, we're all going to fucking abuse it, even if we think we're not abusing it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Okay, look, we know that. So, And I don't disagree with you, by the way, and mm -hmm. I agree with a lot of Bitcoiners, but I think... Some of them get lose their shit with me, but what they don't understand is that my role in this is to question things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I absolutely should question every area of thinking, every fundamental principle that people have regarding Bitcoin. It's really important to do, not to just sit there and create uh, a cheerleading podcast that only says, "Yeah, Bitcoin's great. It solves every problem in the world." Yeah. It's, Look, it's not objective enough, and I, I struggle with calling myself a journalist. But <laughs> people say, "Pete, Pete, do you know what?" The people say when when they want me to do something which they think is responsible, they call me a journalist, and then when they don't like what I say, they say you're not a journalist. Yeah, so yeah, whatever yeah, the course. fuck. Yeah. Either way, yeah. I have a responsibility for challenging things and for challenging people, and so I, I, that that is really important. And by the way, it, at times I challenge people, ask questions I know the answer to, or I challenge them on things that i still actually agree with them on because that's an important part of, of doing this of course there's, but, there's, i mean if we're all just sitting there agreeing with each other it's fucking boring so i am um, so i agree with you fun f completely and uh, uh, fundamentally agree with you i think we need sound money but I don't think sound money solves every problem. And also, we're talking about the, a, a future scenario where there's a many hurdles to get over. Right now, Bitcoin is a speculative asset. It allows for censorship resistance and seizure resistance. And that's very, very cool. Mm -hmm. But it has, has it has no influence over central banking now. It has no influence. We don't have a sound money-based economy. So... We don't. We're talking Bitcoin about is purely a lifeboat today. Yeah, it's a lifeboat today, and you know, we, you and I, and everyone else is working towards this. Hopefully, creating a better society. Mm -hmm. But right now, we're having this conversation because of a crisis, which is happening right now. Now, mm -hmm. some people don't believe it's a crisis, and we can go round and round in circles on this. But this comes from a, a tweet which flies in the face of most Bitcoiners thinking, or a lot of them, which is why it was heavily criticized, because we, I'm trying to be practical. We live in a, in a socialist society right now. We have a government and we have a crisis and we, we have opinions on how our governments are handling this. And by the way, I think there are, none of us are experts, but we have an opinion. But there are many people acting like experts in what should happen and, quite frankly, sp uh, spreading disinformation, 
talking about things as an expert, which they're not an expert in. And I think that is quite dangerous. But but we can come back to that. And by the way, I've probably been a hypocrite of that as well. But as I said, this this conversation started from that that tweet because mm-hmm. right now we are in a situation and people are questioning whether this is right. Actually, I think there's two there's a couple of things. Firstly, people are questioning the response the decisions these governments are taking so they're questioning whether they're the right decisions they're questioning the trade-offs for these decisions and they're also uh, let's say some some people are seeing this as an an opportunity and an excuse for the governments to extend their powers and control over us and that's a, a, a very valid fear if you look at history so i think this is this is where what we should talk about now not not the future Bitcoin world. Let's talk about what's happening right now because this is the active debate, right? Okay. So my view is is that I've yep. never claimed to be a libertarian. I like libertarian ideas, okay? I really, really do. But I've always said I'm, I am a bit of a, I am a bit of a statist. Now, that, that itself is a weird term because by saying I'm a statist, it's not saying that I like the governments we currently have it's not saying i historically like the behavior of governments it's not saying i like central banking but i believe that certain aspects of society are better centralized for example law and order i i i believe that i don't believe in an entirely free market because i think it ignores greed and misbehavior so for example right now we have companies within a within a regulated within regulated markets doing some of the most terrible things. Monsanto, uh, what Uber did in India was absolutely terrible, and I don't believe a completely free market stops that happening. I don't believe that when people say, "Well, pe- people will see reviews of what they've done and they will stop using," I th- no, they won't. What, what did they do? What what Uber did in India. What, what did they do? What did they so do? what Uber did in India, it was quite shocking, actually. So they went to... So because they've backed by you know, venture money, investment capital, they went out to India and they went to the taxi drivers and offered them loans to buy cars and and essentially launched in India. Then what happened is is that so the, the prices for the Uber drivers was pretty good to begin with, so they were able to pay off their loan payments and earn a decent salary. Then they sold so many cars to Indian Uber drivers that the rates dropped because essentially the price for the, the, the fees that uh, the drivers receive is kind of market based, but also Uber has influence over it. And people ended up not being able to afford to pay off their car loans, and there a number of people committed suicide. That to me was an abusive situation that a large, powerful company was able to implement. But historically, companies, uh, we, can, we could spend, it wouldn't take long to go, go online and find hundreds, if not thousands, of examples of companies being abusive. That happens. Yeah, and, but, 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 but that's, not, that's not a function of um, free markets. I think that's generally more a function, a function of people. Of, so so that's, that's, well, that's a second, third, fourth order effect of the um the structural inconsistencies that we have in these systems so for example one of the big reasons why there's so much fucking money floating around in a dumb idea at times is um because there's all of this fucking excess capital that needs to go somewhere so you end up having a situation where 
someone, someone like Uber um, in a free market society wouldn't be as funded or as a large fucking um, player as they would be in a fucking free marketplace. Yeah, well, so, so again, hold on, hold on. Are, You're are... missing the point. The point I'm saying is you will still get large companies and you will still get companies and people that operate via greed, lie, and do abusive things. Hard money does not change change people's greed. Hard money does not change abusive practices. It just changes how much capital it, you have to do that. But it's not going to change that. I think that's. I think uh, it's really it, naive. It actually does. It really doesn't. No, no, no it actually does. And I, well, I'll, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. So, wh- how does somebody like Monsanto um, use greed to get an advantage and to do evil shit in the world? How how how, how are they able to do that? I, I don't really know how to answer that. They just do it. They do it as part of their okay. business, and yes, there are. Uh, yes, yeah, perhaps they're able to use money to get the best lawyers, but I, I don't think hard, sound money who, changes. Who are they friends with? with? Who are they? Who are they friends with? Oh, you're going to talk about in, what they get away with in the government. Well, that's the only way they can actually do that and, shit and lobbying. Well, no, but but the the government are the checks and balances. Without the government, you don't even have the checks and balances, so they can still get away with it. Well, the problem is when you have this veneer of checks and balances where we think that there's a mad checks and balance, they just get away with it whilst we think that there's nothing fucking wrong there. No, I think people know there's things that are wrong with companies and they still use it. I think I think people are very clear right now that Amazon runs quite abusive warehouse practices. We, I'm very clear that there are people living in tents outside Amazon warehouses I'm very clear on the quite abusive practices in there. I think everyone is. Have people stopped using Amazon? No, they haven't. I don't. Th- I think. I think it's a fallacy that people think suddenly if we have sound money, everyone is is going to change the behaviour of everyone. No, it's going to change the money, morals. No, it's not. No, sound money is a, a a one of the pillars for um, free market capitalism. Now, what what my argument is in free market capitalism is that you get rewarded. For a couple of things, you get rewarded for adding more value. You get rewarded for delivering a better product, delivering a better service, um, or you know, uh, doing something better. So, so it, you get the, the metric is um, merit. Whereas, if so, so th- this is a principles thing. So, so let's not um, talk about you know what's happening today. Let, let's just talk about a, a hypothetical, which is when when you have a system where the metric is merit. Um, Versus a system where the metric, when you actually get to the top, is no longer merit. The metric becomes how do I stay at the top via uh, whether it's lobbying, whether it's filling my fucking bags with uh, ridiculous amounts of fake fucking capital that um, the retail can't get a hold of. All of those inconsistencies. What happens is you become a company at the top that stays at the top, not because you continue adding value, um, delivering better products and services, etc. You actually stay at the top because you can cr- create this crony system to keep you at the top. That Therein lies the fucking problem with this quasi-socio-capitalist um, fucking system that we have today, which doesn't, that doesn't have this, uh, call it brutal fucking capitalist effect, which is as soon as you start doing shit that doesn't deliver better value, you better products, better services, etc. 
you but go you down, you start to decay. No. See, this is where I think you're wrong because I think you can do both. I think you can deliver high value whilst being abusive. And you can do things that are abusive that people are completely unaware of in the background. And you can get away with it for a long time. You can poison the water for a long time before anyone knows. You can you can get away with abusive practices. I, I completely agree with many aspects of the free market. I think it does make things more efficient, but I disagree fundamentally that it's going to change human greed. I disagree fundamentally. And where you have human greed, you will you will have abusive practices. Absolutely, you will have abusive practices. You will, but they get drowned out because there is opportunity to have um, more functional practices uh, because people's Again, changing some dials down the bottom, for example, time preference and, for example, people's desire to fucking consume, 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 consume now. Like w one of the things I love about Bitcoin, I'm just finishing writing an article, is how the halving represents this symbolic divergence from the world of excess consumption that we have today where everything is about my exponential, my doubling, my tripling, my more, 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 now, now, now. Whereas when you change some of the dials at the bottom, and this is why you know time preference is such a powerful thing, and this idea of you know bitcoins being savers, etc., is you you create the you have the base ingredients for people thinking more ecologically, thinking more term, more long term, and and behaving around a new form of um, principles versus a lot of the problems today stem. From the fact that down the bottom, at the very base of um, how society functions, it's it's driven by blind fucking consumption without regard to the future. It's driven by more, more, more now, now, now. It's driven by the um the incentive to win uh, and stay at the top through corruption, not through merit. So, so you, you I, I'm not saying that um, you know Bitcoin's this panacea to everything, but what it does is it diverges. It's a divergence from the core principles uh, that we have today, which are clearly fucking flawed. And what those core principles do is we trend, despite some people's um, you know belief that you know some things are free market and all that sort of stuff. So we've got this big mishmash of shit. So despite all of the good in the world. We have these um, dials down the bottom that it's all, it's almost like um you know let, let let's picture a you know water flowing down like you know a a um a slope and you've got grooves in the slope. The grooves that we have at the moment are fucked up. So you know w water is still trending inside those grooves. What we need to do is we need to change some of those grooves. And it doesn't mean that nothing bad is going to happen in the new system. It just means the the um the tendency for that to happen is a lot fucking less. And and that is... But that I'm not uh, disagreeing with. I'm just saying this this idea that suddenly under a sound money system that everyone has a moral backbone and there's no greed and no abuse, I think is a fallacy because it's well, ignoring human nature. Correct. but And that's the thing. So you, you can't change human nature, but what you can do is you can build systems um, and infrastructure. You, you can build this playing field that allows um, that that has a tendency to move in a particular direction versus the tendency we have and the direction we're moving today. And yeah, so you, you're, you are just you're just changing the dials, but you're not changing the fact that it happens. I think that's just an important part to, for me for, for me to say on my side. I do not think it will change human 
nature. Yes, the incentives well, we, change. But, but, you but we shouldn't still, change but, human nature because if you take greed away, for example, that removes our um, desire for innovation, for moving forward. So, so greed is very is, is such a fucking powerful concept. But greed unchecked, when you when you mix that with the incentives of a system like we have today, you have the outcomes that you have today. But when you take greed, you will still have some of the out. You will still have some of the outcomes in a sound money system. Proportionately, I would argue that it's fucking proportionately orders of magnitude less because the incentive system is fundamentally different. It is that the slope is pointing in a different direction. I would direction. agree it's less. I would agree it's less, but I'm not going to sit from a position of uh, wanting Bitcoin to succeed so much that I'm going to ignore that there are things that we don't know, or there are, or I'm going to pretend things are going to fundamentally change that I don't believe are. Yes, the incentive models change. Yes, there will be less unchecked greed, but I, I will, I can't stand by and say I don't think there will be abuses, and I don't think there will be <clears throat> practices which are unacceptable. I just think it will happen, and. There's no, there's no like, there's no negotiating negotiating me out of that position because that's like a core belief that I think doesn't change. That well, that core belief is um, built on the idea that uh, humans are humans and they're going to be shit cunts, right? Basically, S- some, yeah. some, not all. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, that's all, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, some, some are exactly, and we're never going to get rid of the shit cunts. But the best thing we can do is limit the shit cunt's ability to run the show. And that will have more of an impact than anything else we do in the world. That's my argument. Okay. All right. So So we're, we're we going to talk about Corona. <laughs> well, yeah, so no but so getting on to getting onto the situation is that we we I agree with the direction of Bitcoin is that there's no there's no disagreement with me here. Mm-hmm. Like uh, not that we not that all Bitcoiners agree, but I do want a sound money. I do want better money. But I'm also trying to be very practical as someone who is, let's just, I'll just say journalist through through this, and if people want to argue whether I'm not, let's have that as a separate debate. But as a journalist, I'm trying to represent and shine a lens on what's happening in, in the world. Not just, not just the Bitcoin world. I don't just make Bitcoin shows. I make uh, shows for my defiance thing, and I just make other random mm-hmm. stuff. And we are in a situation right now where we have this virus and we have our governments making decisions. And yes, we can sit there and have our, our, our debates about uh, how historically terrible governments have been and how uh, anarcho-capitalist society would be much better. And we can debate and discuss these radical ideas and we can refer back to the radical literature we read and <laughs> the things that we debate in Bitcoin Twitter. Whilst we're doing that, the the wheels of the world are still turning, and our socialist governments are continuing to make decisions. So I'm trying to be in, I'm trying to be also practical. So for example, today the government is debating 300 pages of new legislation, which is going to get passed. It has support from uh, the opposition bench and has support from pretty much unilateral support. But the de- the debating certain aspects of it. One came out and said. One person, one of the politicians came out and said, it's very difficult for us to debate 300 pages of legislation in one day. These are emergency measures. But So what the, the biggest contention point in the debate is, how long do these powers last for? The government wanted them in for two years. 
I think the reason being is the assumption is going to be 18 months till we get a vaccine. Therefore, they're giving themselves a buffer, mm-hmm. right? And uh, some of the rebel MPs are saying, nope, it's a year, ideally six months, and then let's review again, which I think is a very good thing that these are meant to be temporary measures. Obviously, there is a risk they won't be, and the, the evil overlord government will want to keep these powers and enslave us, blah, blah, blah. And I think they are genuine concerns. I think it's really the evil overlord government. I think it's uh, more so the idea that the next crisis is around the corner, so there's a simple justification to keep them. So, so anyway, that's just my Yeah, connection. and that's a good point. It's like all the bullshit we now have because of because of terrorism, right? All the shit we have to deal with for that. Every, every, <laughs> and it used to, it seems to be a worsening out in the US, right? Uh, we have to track every spend you have because terrorists. We want access to your phone records because terrorists, right? And I, I completely agree and understand with that. But right, but right now we're in crisis. So what did what what should be happening, and what do people expect, and what do they want? And not it's not what what not what do Bitcoiners want because it's a very small percentage of people. Let's cons- we have to consider society as a whole and what do people want right now. And there are a large percentage of people who are very scared about what is happening and they're looking to their government. Why are they scared? And they're looking to the government. Why are they scared? I think they're scared because people are dying okay. in, in high numbers. Mm-hmm. But, and possibly is that why they're scared? They're, 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 I think, well, it, it depends how you want to look at it. You could say they're scared because they're, they're sitting watching 24-hour news and seeing people dying in hospitals of Italy, and you can say because the, the media is spreading fear. Behind all of that, what I've been using as my measures for this, because I've been tracking this for a couple of months mm. now, the two things, the two most important things which I track are death rates. I, I'm ignoring infection rates because they're highly skewed and every country is testing a, 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 in different ways. So it's, 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 it's a poor benchmark. I think death rates are, are an interesting benchmark, and I am also I'm also following the reports from frontline medical staff in the hospitals of the worst affected regions. So originally in China, the footage and the response from the doctors there. Now in Italy, and now office, obviously I'm the UK. We're having reports coming out, um, and uh, it's happening out in the US a bit now, and also France and Sp- France and Spain. I think I think that's the most important information that I am using. To, to base my opinions on what is happening. Okay, and let, let's let's just touch on some of the what, what are some of the high level, uh, and I've done some reading on this anyway. But let, let's just for the listeners and for me to see where you're at. What are some of the high level, I guess, um, patterns that you're seeing thus far in the in the death rates? I think there's two consistent patterns. There's and it feels like there's the Asian pattern, whereby this flattening of the curve seems to have, have, be happening quicker. And then there's the European pattern where it feels like the ho- we're more in a hockey stick moment. So Italy has far surpassed China, and we've seen no flattening of the curve yet. And if you look at most European countries, France, Spain, the UK, we seem to be following a very similar trajectory to Italy. So where does this curve go? Does it go to the- infinity or...? No, no, of course not. And then the other thing I'm tracking is and, and following is, like I say, the reports from the frontline medical staff, nurses and doctors in the hospital, and they are they are unilaterally consistent. Okay, are you looking at total cumulative cases, or are you looking at um, 
total new cases? I'm not looking at cumulative. I'm just looking at deaths. Okay, so to- total cumulative deaths or total new deaths? It's Have more, you made the differentiation more, between those two graphs? Because this is very important. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not looking at the. I'm. I'm following the trajectory of the rate at which deaths are increasing. Mm-hmm. Well, from what I've seen over the last couple of days, even Italy um, is now slowing down. Everyone's slowing down. So what what you've got is not not well, hockey sticks. It, you've it, got these it, bell curves, but. Yeah, that, that, yeah well, Italy's first, first, yeah, it dropped yesterday. Yeah, it dropped yesterday. But uh, has that happened because they put in drank, draconian measures? I highly fucking doubt it. But um, So you think it's got absolutely nothing to do with the fact that they're on lockdown? I think, think I think n- nothing is a strong word. So again, it's a spectrum. So if we if we're going to use the you know argument we used before about you know libertarianism and spectrums and all that sort of shit, so let's say it's a spectrum. I think obviously, fucking panic mode locking down everyone is going to have some impact but i think um it would have had no more impact than doing some things really sensibly um which uh, i've got some ideas for solutions but i don't want to say that towards the end of the conversation but i think uh, we would have got the same fucking result with much 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 less ridiculous fucking knee-jerk reactions that i think are going to create much bigger problems um, than the the virus ever ever could have hoped to create. Um, so I, I'm going to put myself in the world where I don't know because mm-hmm, I'm not mm-hmm. an expert in this area. Okay, I'm, I just don't know, yeah. well, and I can't I can't say whether you're right or whether they're right. And I, I, I and I, it's too risky an area, I think, for for someone like myself to weigh in on that. Okay, but but carry yeah, on. Yeah, well, look. Uh, I'm I'm obviously in the same fucking boat, but I'm I'm just going to take a, an approach um, toward the end um, about uh, you, you, again. I, I think all of this just comes back to principles and how things are approached, um, you know, and what we spoke about, mm-hmm. you know, earlier with you know Bitcoin being you know a, a new set of principles um, that you know people and society can function with um, that trends in a very different direction to what we're doing. So I think a different set of principles and how we approached this whole clusterfuck would, you know, send us in a different way. So, for example, right now people are calling for fucking stimulus because, um, you know, everyone's out of work and all that sort of stuff. Well, my argument is that crazy fucking stimulus, like, you know, what's being, um, you know, produced now with stupid trillion-dollar coins and whatever else, like, you know, that... Should we come back, should we come back to the money? Because I think that's a separate point. Okay, okay. Let's just, let's just deal with whether corona is a problem or not what the response should okay. be well what what the response should be okay. what what people believe it should be because there are a lot of a lot of people i said yesterday uh, let's let's actually let's put the wording up i think some people misunderstood it as well but and it was two two essentially two paragraphs really but i said right now i am definitely a status i think we need draconian centralized planning to reduce the spread of coronavirus and the overwhelming of the health systems. So let me tell you where that comes from. That comes directly from every report I've read from a doctor on the front line uh, in Italy, in the UK now, in China, where they are all consistently saying they've never seen anything like this. They've never dealt with anything like this. You need to put in place social distancing because this is scary. And one of the interesting things I would like to know, so for example, there was an 18-year-old who died in the last 24 hours. Mm -hmm has underlying health issues 
I'd love to know what those underlying health issues are. I think that's a really important thing we're not seeing enough about. Is it asthma? Because if it's asthma, it's a condition they could have lived with perfectly fine, a normal life. My dad has mm -hmm. asthma, right? And he's 70, 72. Or were they a stage four cancer pa patient and terminally ill? And I think, I think that's a really important thing to know. But either way, we also have a 36-year-old nurse with no underlying health conditions now, report came in this morning that she is in an intensive care unit. Mm -hmm. So that is happening. So we have health systems which are potentially going to collapse under the weight of dealing with this. That is why I said I like some of the centralised planning. Specifically, a couple of things I really like is that the UK government realised we didn't have enough ventilators and turned around and said, we will buy any ventilator at any price if people can start making them. And now we're seeing all these different companies change what they're doing. There's a company that makes lawnmowers and and um, vacuum cleaners who are now making ventilators. That's fucking fantastic. Okay. I think that is, yeah, so yeah, I think that's brilliant. But but bear with mm -hmm. me. That is centralised planning. Another thing I like is there has been a, an arrangement between the private health sector in the UK is now going to be, they're going to provide all of their doctors, medical staff and beds to support coronavirus. Again, I think that is brilliant. So when I talked about centralised planning, that is, they are the things I like. I really okay, like So well, if we're starting off with the basis that, hey, we have a fucking socialist system and we have these guys running the show anyway, what's the best they can do? So, so that's where we're starting from, right? Yeah. So we're not talking about, you know, in a free market Reinvented situation. We're not reinventing yeah, exactly. the system. We're working with what we've got. So, okay couple of the measures that you mentioned there are fucking fantastic. So I, I think in the system that we have, a couple things, um, I, I think the most important thing that should have been done from the fucking beginning was incentivize any company that can make tests, they can make tests and sell tests fucking tax-free or that the tests are bought, like you said, by the government at fucking any price because then what you do is you incentivize okay. the private sector to go and produce the first fucking thing that is important in this entire chain of events, which is not locking people up in their fucking houses or producing new laws or fucking any of that stuff. The first, 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 first thing that anybody should be fucking doing in this thing is broad testing. Like Iceland tested their entire fucking country practically before anybody else got off their fucking asses and did anything. Likewise, um, you know, the, the countries that were most successful in this, the South Korea, the Taiwans and the Singapores, they have the highest rates of testing. So that's the first thing because then you can identify who the fuck is actually sick and who the fuck thinks they're sick because at the moment there's, uh, I can't remember what number I read, some statistic of like 93% of people who think they have corona don't actually have fucking corona. So what they're doing is they're the ones yeah. overloading the system, not the people who are actually sick. So first and foremost, is I agree with we this. need to incentivize testing before we do anything fucking else. But this is this is still statism. This is a state. Fine, but but response. I, I just opened my argument with the fact that um, so, we're starting from that premise, right? So we can't change that. Yeah, but do you agree with it? Does it? Do, do, but do, do you think this should happen? And does that make you a status right now? No, I'm not being said. I'm I'm just saying that in the situation we're in, what can status do to do this better? We're, but but which is so they what, need. What, so what is to, wrong with my? Team? They need to incentivize private sector. They need to incentivize the private sector to do something about it, not nationalize the uh, production of um, masks, for example, or tests. Because if they nationalize the fucking thing, they're going to bumble it because they don't have the capacity or the competence to manage the production of these tests or ventilators, etc. the same way as the private sector can do if 
um, the incentives were placed there. So at the moment we're stuck so in this quasi. But, 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 but Alex, how is that different? Yeah, how is that different from what I said about saying that I am a statist and believe we require centralized planning? Well, this isn't this to reduce this, the is, this isn't centralized planning. What I'm saying. Is, yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. Of course, it is because you're saying the gov- you're saying the government must incentivize companies to be able to produce. Tests. That's centralized planning. That's the government instigating. No, it's not because if it's if it's not if it's not if it's not the government, then you're saying allow the government to do nothing and just wait wait for wait for everyone to do something. You are. I don't see how you're not agreeing with my point. Okay. There's a there's a there's a couple nuances here. Number one is we we need to figure out the basis from which we're making this argument. If the argument is um, should the government do anything or do nothing, I err on the side of. Ideally, um, it really comes back to, you know, what's pragmatic and what's realistic, actually, is in this situation, is the government going to do something? And as we've seen, they're doing shit with a complete fucking knee-jerk reaction, and they're, they're making decisions that make absolutely no fucking sense. So what what should they do? They should do the fucking absolute minimum viable, just like in any situation, the government should do the minimum fucking viable but hey, we live. What do you think, Alex? What do, what do you think they should do? Well, first of all, do you think they should do something or not? I think they should get the fuck out of the way as much as possible. Um, and if they. So, how do they get out of the way? Uh, first of all, these fucking lockdowns are ridiculous. Um, no, no, no. Let's, let's go. Let's st- just stick with the point on the tests because you think the tests are important. And I agree. I agree. I think if look, I might have had it, and I don't know because I wasn't tested, mm-hmm. and I was really <clears> sick. <throat> and then my son was sick, and my son actually went to school, prob- possibly carrying without knowing he's carrying, because the one 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 when I spoke to them said to us, you know, you haven't been to an infected region, and you haven't been in contact with a confirmed case. Treat it like the common cold. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, no lockdown, no self isolation. So, I'm asking you. What do you think the government should do? Not, not even with it. What you say, get the fuck out of the way. Okay. So, how do they get out of the way? They announce a couple um, economic incentives, and then let the private sector fucking do their thing. So they announce a couple of economic incentives, centrally planned, <laughs> to incentivize the private sector. So how again? I've, We're sorry, talking about it. Well, you're, you're you're approaching it in a binary method, man. So so you want me to treat you on a spectrum, and then you want no, to treat I'm my argument saying, as a binary. No, no, no. I'm just saying is that I said, let's just be very, I'm just keeping to the facts because people are very critical of this. Mm -hmm. And my biggest issue is I haven't seen a valid alternative argument yet. And I want to see it. But you said, I'm sorry, my tweet, let's stick where I said, I think we need draconian centralized planning to reduce the spread of coronavirus and overwhelming of the health system. We don't need you draconian. Said, no, no, we don't need draconian. What we need. Centralized planning is, 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 is draconian. All uh, centralized planning is considered draconian. Okay. Okay. Let's forget the let's forget the word draconian. Okay. Let's just let's just. So, so I think that's I where think you put there in the wrong fucking way. But anyway, just, just take that word out. Right okay. now, I am a statist because uh-huh. I think we need centralized plan- planning to reduce the spread of coronavirus. You are saying that you believe the government should provide incentives to the market. That is centralized planning. Only because that we have a government. Only because we have a government. So we're starting from the premise that they exist and that they're going to do something anyway. So they should do the minimum okay. viable. So that's all I'm saying. If they didn't exist, so again, if we want to go back to the argument of let's create a fantasy society, which doesn't exist today, of the government didn't exist, 
and how, how what the response would look like in that type of situation. I'm happy to have that conversation, but the conversation yeah, we're having but now. But we don't we don't live in fantasy land, and that's the Correct. point. And that's so, why I th- and that's why I think a lot of the replies to this were very childish because they're not actually dealing with the practicality of where we are today. You are saying you you think we need centralized planning for I'm, this based on I'm where we are we, today. I'm I'm saying that we have centralized planning irrespective of what we do. So as a result, we should take the fucking minimum version of it um, and do that because they're going to do something anyway. That's all I'm saying. So, so it, I'm saying it's, so it's are, we've already started. Are we saying down the only the difference hill. between you and I? Are we saying the only difference between you and I is the use of the word draconian? Well, not exactly, because I also don't think uh, central planning would imply to me that um. Well, actually, I'll, I'll give you an example of central planning is what they're doing at the moment. So central planning is, all right, the government is going to nationalize the um, production of um, all of the medical supplies for this. The government is going to nationalize all the fucking hospitals. The government is going to tell you uh, when you can and cannot fucking move from your house. The government is now going to work with Google and Facebook to track your fucking phone so we can tell you what you can yeah. and cannot do. The government is going to enforce the close down of all these fucking businesses. That, to me, is fucking morons central planning that are going to create a hundred times the fucking problem then saying um all right in the beginning um we need to figure out what this thing is so we're going to create an incentive for anybody who wants to build fucking testing masks and everything it's fucking tax-free or you know we're going to pay you whatever and we're going to get the fuck out of the way and you fix it they're two very okay. very different so, methods but there's um, a, so what we're saying is there's a spectrum of things they might do 100% that's 100%. what we're saying yeah okay it. so be, we're, be, we're dealing with, with reality if we want to deal with reality if we want to deal with fantasies then we don't talk about spectrums we talk about absolutes but we don't have that so so the things i listed centralized planning in the uk so far has led to more ventilators being manufactured a deal between the nhs and private hospitals making more beds and doctors available provided an income to those who want to socially distance ourselves. So we're going to come back to money. But what we're saying is there are a range of things that they can do. Mm-hmm. But but the assumption I think people jump to with my tweet is that I want people to stand outside people's houses with guns and tell them they can't leave their house. Okay? Well, again, yeah, that's the spectrum. So, I mean, the, the word yeah, draconian but, probably didn't help um, when you said that, but yeah. Yeah, okay. So let's let's I'll concede on the word draconian. That perhaps that 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 is misleading. I, I, the reason I use draconian is is because it's been used so much yeah, in the press yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah. And actually, if you look at the dictionary de- definition, excessively harsh and severe. So perhaps it's that word that word itself is misleading. But also, let's stick with the point: is that I am a statist in this situation because that was a lot of the criticisms came from the fact that I said I'm a statist, and people were like you're always a state statist. You're a bootlicker. You're a slave. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the alternative, I think the alternative to being a status in this situation is believing the government should not do anything. Well, but that's not, again, that's not realistic in the state that we're in because the government does exist. And whether they, so even if they think, do nothing, Alex? even if they do nothing, they're doing something. Well, yes and no. But so. Well, they are where, by definition. We, I mean, where, we've got a public health system, so they're doing something. Like, we, we, the, the problem is, like, there is no scenario here, here, realistically, where you pull the government out of the equation because they're there. Like we just live in that world. Exactly. So what? What? So what? Where is the use when when somebody tries to open up this debate and says, "Look, right now I'm a status. I think we need centralized planning." But you, where is the use of people turning around saying you're a slave? 
you're a bootlicker. What 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 actual use and what actual I, I contribution is that making? I don't think you should wave the status flag. I think what you should be doing is you should be saying, I think there is a better way to uh, approach this. Um, and hey, by the way, we do have a state. We do have all these governments who are fundamentally, you know, incompetent at many things. But hey, the one thing they could probably do here in this situation is a very very light touch, not a draconian authoritarian approach where they do harsh fucking measures what they need to do is a really fucking light touch um and that would involve a couple of things number one is um incentivizing the manufacture of the things that fucking matter um number two is try and fucking help educate people on what the fuck this thing is um without all the without all the fear-mongering so, so if that's they're probably the two things so i don't know if you um have you heard of the the soap police analogy no no please tell me Okay, so you wash your hands after taking a shit, not because somebody would throw you in jail, because you've been, but because you've been taught and know that hygiene is important. Okay, mm-hmm. there is not some fucking soap policeman standing outside your door that if you don't wash your fucking hands, you're gonna get dunked in jail. Um, we didn't, we didn't used to wash our hands after taking a shit. So two hundred years ago, we would take a shit and then we'd go and eat and then we'd go and operate on someone. <laughs> You know, with feces on our hands, we we, di- we didn't understand that because we didn't understand the concept of hygiene. But over time, what happened is people learnt what that meant. So through our need, you know, we we're talking about you can't remove you know human desires, things like greed and everything. You cannot remove the idea of self-preservation from humans because our desire to live is the strongest desire of the fucking human species. So what we need to do is we need to teach people that hey, you know, by not washing your hands this thing will spread and it'll kill someone that you care about. Now, some people, granted, will not fucking listen. But guess what? Evolution has an answer to that, is the people who don't fucking listen, they will increase their risk of um, you know, uh, existential damage and they may kill themselves and a couple people around them that they may care about. And yes, that may be sad, but when you zoom out for a moment and stop thinking on a micro level, but you think on a macro level, that is the system's way, if we look at humanity as this system, as this complex infrastructure, that it's, it's that somebody dying for making a stupid decision, despite potentially being educated about it, is the system's way of self-correcting itself. So I'll give, I'll give you another example. Can I do, no, well, I, no, let me just respond have, to that? Because I, I just okay, want to add okay, something cool, into that. Cool. Natural selection for stupidity, you know, Darwinism. Uh, Darwinism, yeah. Um, yes, okay, fair enough. But... We have something. We have something that, in the space of three months, has spread from four months from patient zero, known patient zero, to recorded cases of say three hundred fifty thousand, of which we there might be three million. We don't. We just don't know. In that, we know it spreads. It spreads quite easily, quite rapidly. It's very contagious. Would you agree with that? Not entirely, as well, okay. because I mean, you look at that. You look at that cruise ship. That cruise ship was the ultimate cesspool for this shit, um, and I think the infection rate was something like seventeen percent or whatever. Mm, I don't know that, but still, seventeen percent—that's a lot of people. I mean, but 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 that's an enclosed space with a bunch of corona people um, that are fucking trapped on a fucking boat. Like that is the worst, worst, okay. worst case scenario. And they were all older people because they were on like some fucking retirement cruise or whatever. So it's like okay. the worst case scenario had um, a seventeen percent infection rate. So anyway, but, so but that's still, just an anecdote. But, but but still, what we have is a something that is contagious. 
is spreading mm-hmm. through the population. Okay, it is spreading. Whether it's mm-hmm. three hundred fifty thousand or three million people, we don't actually know. It is. We also have people dying with underlying health conditions, but some sometimes these underlying health conditions might be that they are overweight, or they're a smoker, or they have asthma. They're things they can live perfectly well with today. We have a a nurse with no underlying conditions who's in an ICU right now, and we have an eighteen year old who died. So whilst natural selection will occur. What we're also seeing is that you may spread it to other people unknowingly and you may be causing the illness, the hospitalization and the death of other people. So 100%. So, I so mean, what we're, the, the, so, the same thing with AIDS and syphilis and fucking God knows whatever other fucking disease that we end up spreading to each other. Yes. Yeah, but but, but what we're saying, what we're then saying is we're treating people as numbers and we're going, we're saying there's an acceptable range of people we think can die during this. So the, the it, so so let me just let me just conclude that is that mm-hmm. I think what the, the the contentious contentious point here is is that there are some people who believe this is just this is just a virus it happens they happen there is an acceptable number of people that will die so be it society moves on versus those who think well we can do a bunch of stuff to reduce the number of deaths let's do it, but we're going to force you. And I think that's the point of contention because some people are, are saying, well, I don't want well, to lose mass- my freedoms. It's, yeah. it's a massive point of contention because we, we've become as a society, again, the, the, this is one of those problems with the direction we've moved in as a society is we've become so afraid of a little bit of pain or we've become so afraid of fucking death because we're so fucking you know, concerned about you know, how we look on Instagram or whatever other fucking surface level stupidity now that um we go and make stupid fucking decisions which are going to affect us for a much longer period of time than uh, allowing something to run its natural course. So we're talking, so we're talking I, about I always, trade-offs. We're talking about trade-offs here we, then. We always are. I mean, everything in life is a trade-off, right? Yeah. Everything in society, everything in the world is, is a form of trade-off. So I think like... And this I mean, is this, by the way, Alex. This, I am really wrestling with this. I've got, I've got to say, I am really wrestling with this in terms of. Um, I, I absolutely agree with the with people and fully understand the fear of new laws coming in that give new powers that we don't come back from. I am fearful that every part of our life will be tracked after this, and they'll want all our phone data under the guys that well if there's another pandemic we want to know who was where exactly at that point and use phone data because they've been using phone data right they have been using phone data i absolutely yep. f- agree and, and totally understand those fears and i do not want our government having more power i am also a compassionate person i can't help it and i want less people to die and i don't want health workers dying and i don't want a health system overrun and this is why i'm really really personally wrestling with this and it's i think it's really complicated I know, man, but but here's like you've got to just add some. Um, you've got to zoom out a little bit, like you know, like I've got a deeper philosophical question: is like you know, what are we trying to save and at what cost? Like, what what is everyone so deathly fucking afraid of, and why are we um, so much more afraid of this than other more fucking um, dangerous things that are happening every single day in the fucking world at the moment? It's like you know, yes, I know you're a compassionate person. But, you know, like, if you're going to be compassionate about a coronavirus patient, then, you know, why not be compassionate about a fucking AIDS patient am, or about am, a though. starving I, child? And, all. and I am. Exactly. But, but we physically can't fucking help everyone because that's just not physically possible. Like, it's 
you know, again, we're not in a fantasy land here where we've got, you know, the unlimited resources to fucking help everyone. Um, so, like, you know, w- one of the things, like, you know, p- people freak out in this and they, you know, imagine doomsday scenarios like, you know, potentially this coronavirus is going to cause, um, you know, mass extinction. But 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 that's just, that's not going to fucking I don't think, happen. I don't think people are thinking that. I don't know anyone who's thinking that, actually. Well, I think, but that's I how think they're people, behaving. That's how they're behaving. No, I think people are seeing the fact that there are ranges of, uh, of people dying, anything from 1% to 3%, and they're thinking... I don't want my my dad. Like for example, I don't want my dad to die. I put my dad on lockdown three weeks ago, and I forced him to do it because, well, that, I, because if he, you didn't have, but you didn't have to have somebody fucking tell you to go and do that. No, you were sensible not. enough of, to of fucking make not. that decision. Of course not, and 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 that's great. But I'm I'm just saying. I think I think that's what people are scared of. People are scared of. I think they're scared of dying, and I, I think also the I think the governments are. They want to preserve life, but I think actually they're most fearful of the, the overwhelming of health systems as well, because I, I, I do think Italy has managed to probably stem the infection because they've been they've been flying people out of Lombardy into other regions because their their hospitals are overrun into regions which aren't overrun because they brought in a nationwide lockdown, and I think that nationwide mm-hmm. lockdown did reduce the spread. I think it's. I, I think I find it difficult to argue against that. As we've seen, a virus has spread that put, put, putting people in lockdown won't stop the spread. Of course, it stops the spread. Which is, of no, course, I, I actually don't think it does. I think what stops the spread is people like you being concerned about their parents and washing their fucking hands and taking some precautions. So that has happened alongside all of these stupid fucking lockdowns, which don't do anything. So people going outside, going for a run, getting some sun, that that kind of stuff does not spread the fucking disease. What spreads the disease? is um, actual contact with droplets um, or contact with surfaces um, that have um, been infected. So you know, the, the lockdown, I would argue, has had very little effect, or let's call it an even fucking marginal effect, but the ramifications that okay, it's going to have, I'll tell you what people are going to be more afraid of moving forward is people who don't have now money to fucking eat, yeah. people who have no fucking work anymore, people who have lost their businesses. That is going to have a order of magnitude or two, three, four orders of magnitude greater impact to people's lives, to people's future, to people's fucking um, to people's fucking prospects of living a fucking life than the coronavirus ever would have had if it was just allowed to fucking spread through. And, and you might even, be right. Let, let's, even the worst case scenario, just allowed to fucking spread through. So we've traded, we've traded an if for a guaranteed fuck up, basically. Because, like, did, did you see the chart this morning of, like, the unemployment claims yeah, in the U.S.? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like, sort of been falling over the – it's fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. What what effect do you think that's going to have versus versus um, if the government sort of stepped back, took a fucking light touch? So, so we've got all this spectrum, right? So well, Shall I answer that? Shall I answer that? Okay, yeah, go, go. I don't know, and I've got no way of knowing and no way of accurately predicting the differences. What I can say is that I expect we're going to see a higher rate of suicides over the next year. And I think mm-hmm. we're possibly going to see a lot of weird things pan out that we we know are going to happen just from being in a Bitcoin world that we know where money printing is going to lead to. We know what that's going to happen inflation. And I've seen the impacts of inflation in other countries. And what we're, we're will we, you know, which scenario will see more people die? We, we don't know. Possibly more people would have died. We might have lost one to three percent, whatever, of the population with coronavirus allowed to just spread. We don't know. We don't know what percentage mm-hmm. will die because of 
they have earlier deaths later on in their life because they've had a, 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 they've struggled more. Again, none of this we we know. I don't think anyone actually knows. Anyone actually claiming to know is a liar. I think. But what we can do is map out potential scenarios, and I agree with you that these this could be absolutely terrible. But I just don't know. We've we've I, I believe we've turned a small, relatively benign issue that could have been dealt with through rigorous testing and potentially, if anything, quarantining some of the higher risks. How do you quarantine people? Um, like what you did with your fucking dad. Yeah, but what if someone... Like ref- what you did with your dad. What if, someone, the fuck refused? What if, what if someone refuses to be quarantined or refuses to be tested? Well, then he's, he's, he's going he's gonna to go out and he's going to die. Yeah, but, but what if he's not going to die? What if he's going to go out and make other people sick and die? I'm saying, how do you... Well, the, the, well those people will... What will happen is very quickly you'll have what's a called, called a systemic reaction, which is people will stay the fuck away from that person. And guess what? Unfortunately, some people are going to die and some people, unfortunately, who didn't deserve to die, who you know shouldn't get the systems, who got their life cut short, are going to die the same way as some people unfortunately die when they cross the fucking street and some maniac runs them over. Yeah. Well, and, let me ask you, you know, a question. It shouldn't though. have happened. But, let me just ask you a mm-hmm. question. It, say we have uh, widespread testing. And we have widespread testing and there's a family that's been tested, but one person refuses to be tested for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And two of the family come up with coronavirus and we suspect this other person has coronavirus, because, but they haven't been tested and they refuse to be testing. And they go on and carry on living their life and, and, and potentially spreading it. Do we just allow that to happen because we really believe so much in defending our, our civil liberties, or do we arrest that person? Uh, okay, so in both a, um, a free market libertarian society um, and in both a um, statist society, that person who has no fucking reason to refuse being tested um, under this situation, something would have to happen to them. Well, what's that um, something and that would have to happen? Lock the fuckers up. Simple as that. So, if okay. even in a libertarian lo- society, even them? a libertarian society, well, in a libertarian society, the person who, the people who think they're at risk, will get rid of that fucking person. So, whether it's a private fucking police force that throws the fucker somewhere um, because they're too stubborn to get tested, okay. or in a state fucking system that we have now, is that the cops. If, if you well, let me just ask you tested. to that because we don't we don't live in a libertarian society. So, do you believe the police should be able able to arrest that person? And force their quarantine. If that person can has the capacity to get tested and they don't want to get tested and they don't have a fucking reason, what the fuck's their problem? Well, fuck I'm, no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying what the fuck's their problem. I'm saying, do you believe the state should arrest that person? If there is a risk of them fucking infecting others and they can get tested and they have no reason not to get tested, like they, their fucking brother got tested fucking right there with them. There may be a case for that, yeah. Okay. Because they're fucking potentially harming others. But we currently don't have a law in the UK that allows for someone to be arrested for this. So, do if there's no law for that, do you believe? So, so you are you okay with the government passing a new temporary law for this? See, I think you're in a tricky position now because I think you you're I'm, in a position I'm, I'm, where you're trying to d- defend the, your I- ideology against a, a real scenario. But see, my, my ideology isn't isn't confined to one person's action, right? So my ideology has never stated that you can go and do whatever the fuck you want, irrespective of the damage to other people, right? So that's not my ideology. 
but, but, so my ideology here is that um, you should be free to do whatever you want to do as long as you're not harming other people. So me, for example, but we don't know if this person we don't know if this person's harming anyone. Correct, but you just made the assumption that they can get tested, but they don't want to be tested. Yeah. that's a very different argument. But that is somebody ex uh, expressing their free will to I don't want to be tested, like anti-vaxxers. Like that, that, that's no, 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 no. Anti-vaxxers aren't spreading fucking shit. That's a very different well, they, story. No, this they is, can be spreading shit with their children. They, they can be spreading shit with their children. No, they can't. No, that's that's not true. What? what I mean, you, you don't believe that people who re re refuse to have their uh, children given, say, the MMR in the UK, aren't putting at higher risk of their children developing it and spreading? Uh, what's MMR? Uh, measles, mumps, rubella. I mean, I never got vaccinated for that shit. I just spread it to anyone. But yeah, I mean, but, 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 but even that. So why, but, do, we I mean, why do we vaccinate people at all then? Because I think that's another um, strange thing that we've um, created in society where we've. I, I mean, okay, okay. Do you well, know anyway, how much of the body? That's, just, that's another discussion. But yeah. like, you know, the the body is fifty three percent fucking micro microbes that aren't actually humans. Yeah, let's, so, not, so let's not go we, down we, a let's not go down a new rabbit hole. Let's just stick to that point. Yeah. We don't have a law that allows you to arrest. And force quarantine people who you believe may be infected. So, do you agree that the state should pass that law? No, I I, I believe that we should um we should have something in place that gets people tested. Yeah, but I, you, you, this again. Sorry, I've, I'm I'm going to push you on this because I think it's important to map these things out. You 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 said a moment ago you agree that that person should be arrested. If we have a suspicion, but, they might be infected, and they might go and infect other people. But we don't have a law no, no, that allows no, no, that. No, not a suspicion. Not a suspicion. If they refuse testing. Okay, so you believe that we have to force testing. In in the absence of um in the absence of voluntary testing that um and in the in the existence of a state, then that may be something that needs to be done. Yeah. See, see, this is the point, and then then. Let's go. Let's go back to my tweet. Sorry to keep doing this, but I, I actually, I actually think that very few people. I, I think we're talking again another, about another fantasy scenario, which is well, we were not if because the government existed. If testing existed, I think everyone would get tested. But the government have put in a law today in the UK, which says you can be fined a thousand pounds if you refuse to be tested because. They they know yes majority majority will do but you're going to have people out there who are like I don't want to be tested you can't force me to test fuck the government okay so they're putting that in place for that type of person because that person could also be a super spreader now what I'm asking is do you agree with that or not not the level of fine do you agree that 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 if there is no law to enforce this that we need that law. In the current paradigm, again, we're, we're speaking out of the existing paradigm that we live in. Um, no, I'm, I'm speaking know. in the practical life situation now. Do you want this to happen in your country? See, you're, you're, you, you are, I think, no offense, Alex, I think you're trapped by, your, by what you want to believe and, and, and the practical situation. I think that's why you're pausing on the answer. No, 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 I'm trapped by the my idea of um of doing no harm to others, and and this is where a situation like this is a bit more complex, um, and you know, looking at a scenario where if somebody can get tested and they don't want to be tested, and there's a risk of them uh, infecting others, then yeah, there there has to be a consequence because again, it, it, if I put on my systems thinking hat, 
um, in any system that there must be a consequence for, um, you know, constituents within a system uh, behaving in a way that's detrimental to the others. So as a result, yeah, that so, leads me to um, agreeing. Do you think a law should be passed for this? I guess so, yeah. Uh, okay, so then, then I'm just going to refer back to my tweet, which I said, I am though thinking about post-coronavirus and how we ensure governments retract from their new powers. So I'm I'm agreeing, I'm recognising I think we need some new powers to prevent risk to others because of the morons, not because of the good people like you and I, the people who are thinking of quarantining their parents who will self-isolate. I am worried about the morons who inflict damage on others. And therefore I was very specific about saying the the thing I... Because these laws, by the way, they're going to pass anyway. No one is going to stop these laws passing. So, so I'm thinking right now is that we need to be very aware of, of, as a public of these laws and we need to be very aware that they can't stay and we need to be – so that's what I'm thinking about. So, again, I, I don't understand what is wrong with this tweet. I, I understand from the point of you know the, 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 the anarcho-capitalists who just fucking hate everything state. Yeah, fuck you state. I don't want to agree to anything. Let everyone just do what they want. I, I get their position. It's just not my position. I'm I'm talking to my friends and my family and people who are genuinely scared. I'm talking about pe to people who are working in the health system. In the hospital my brother worked at, the hospital that I was a volunteer at, I have a friend. Yes, yes I got let, let me just read you this. It came in yesterday on my Facebook. Oh, my friend is in ICU. My friend is in ICU. And I'm like, really damn, because of this, she said yes, in Bedford Hospital fucking scary we just need people to stay away from each other so this is happening like people are getting infected okay people are scared people out there are scared these aren't libertarians or bitcoiners these are normal people who are just trying to cope day by day and they are nervous and they are scared and these are frontline medical staff who are saying we are dealing with a problem here so that is where my tweet came from this is that, that that we're trying to deal. I'm trying to deal with the practicalities of where we are today, not this future idealist Bitcoin world, which I fully support. Where we are today, so I I, I can only conclude from this that you have a very similar feelings to me in that you want the help of the state at the moment. No, uh, again, I would still no you no, don't. no. Actually, so you, actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm actually gonna take a um a step back. Um, on what I said, I actually think that on a on a macro level. So the the further I zoom out, so as as you're um, describing this, the further the further you zoom out, I actually think that the number of um, of sensible people. So if you know people are well informed about what the fuck's going on, um, the number of well informed people. Again, coming back to the police analogy. That um, want to wash their hands after taking a shit um, will by far uh, drown out the couple morons who, you know, will eat with shit on their hands um, despite knowing that. So I actually think that because um, because one of the one of the issues with uh, passing a law like you must get tested is that what happens when the next test comes out, um, which may be even more intrusive or more fucking thinner, then um, you have a clear opening to um, to do much more, how can I say, sinister things um, when probing people. So I think that's actually a, a, a worse trade-off than 
uh, rolling the dice on a few fucking morons that may spread it to a couple more people, but on aggregate still be um, a much better um, outcome. Despite being, you know, sad that, you know, some people are going to end up losing lives, it's still a better outcome than passing something where... Um, so you don't want law, you don't want a new law? No. So I'm actually going to backflip on it because can, can, I'm thinking can, about the... Um, can, I t- can I tell you what I think happened here? And, and please take this, no, no offence. I think you, I, I think you've backed down here and changed your opinion because I think you're worried about your reputation. No, 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 no. I, I just get no. I just Bitcoin no, no. Have. I just gave you a straight up reason. The reason was that. So what I wasn't thinking of when I first mentioned that is what what how can testing be construed later? So so that is a big fucking danger. So I I actually don't think so. Again, so I zoomed out for a moment. So while you're talking. Um, and giving your example of, um, mm. you know, your friend who's been telling you this stuff, uh, what I did was in my head, I zoomed out for a moment and I thought, all right, what is the ramifications of, you know, a couple morons potentially spreading it to a few people versus the um, the very real uh, opening that you create by, you know, using a broad word like testing and passing a law around that. So, so I actually don't think that's a trade-off worth making. So coming back to trade-offs, I actually don't think that's okay. Trade-off. I mean, that's that's fair. So, 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 what we're really—it's back to that contentious point then. That pe- there are other, there are certain people who just believe. Let's just let this wash through the system. Civil liberties are more important. And look, I understand that. I'm, I'm not fighting against that. Essentially, like I, I totally understand that argument, and I think it's a rational fear because I, I think the Patriot in the U.S. is a very, very good example. A very good example. Of what's ha- what, where new laws have come into place, they haven't been retracted, and they are uh, an overreach of the government. I completely agree I mean, and understand with that. Can, can I? Um, so can, can I touch on a philosophical issue that might, you know, add some color to this? Is um, that this idea that you know, cushioning cushioning everyone is um is a big part of how we've come, you know, to the point of having a society that thinks the solution to every fucking problem. Is somebody else fixing it for them or another handout? You know, like we've conditioned everyone to think that any form of pain or any form of, um, you know, adverse reaction is bad um, or, you know, stupid shit like, you know, everyone deserves a participation or, you know, reward irrespective of what they've done to deserve it. Like, but, but, but coming back to the whole pain thing, like, you know, m- markets are, you know, incredible example of that is this, you know, idea that anytime something bad happens, you know, it's a bad thing that we should come in, intervene and fucking fix it. Um, and, and I think that's, that's a much deeper philosophical issue. Like um, I was going to give you that pain receptor analogy earlier. It's like, what, and well, let me ask you this question. Why do we have pain receptors in the body? To give us warning. For what? What, what, what do these pain receptors For, do? P- they warn us of potential danger i would say it's, it's kind of it's a risk model it's, for our body it's it's um danger but more, more so damage right so yeah it's it's because when you put your hand in the fire you're giving us you're given a signal by the body that this is bad and it will cause greater damage to you so so what what we've what we've done over the last god knows how many years in the world and particularly what we're doing now is that we're removing the pain receptors from the system we're removing our ability as a society and as people to know when something is wrong because every time a little bit of pain fucking comes in, we try and wash it away um, as quickly as possible. We try and mask it. We try, you know, cover it up. 
and we take blind, non-thought-through measures to fix what are effectively complex problems in a bid to numb the pain like a bunch of fucking junkies, only to find that we did greater damage later. Like, this, this is, um, you know, th- th- this sort of knee-jerk um, attempt to avoid any fucking semblance of pain when the whole point of, um, you know, pain is to signal that there's something, you know, bigger, that's, that, that, that there's, a, there's a bigger problem here, is I think where, you know, the root of the problem is. And if we keep approaching every single problem with that same, um, with that same uh, mental model, all we're going to do is we're going to mask problems to the point where, you know, again, I, I mentioned, I think I tweeted this, I'm not sure, but I, I had practiced stunt driving when I was 24, 25, so I learned how to do stunt driving. And, um, and one of the first things they teach you is, um, you know, you, you get in the car and your instructor, like, yanks at your fucking steering wheel so the car starts losing control. And the first thing that you're taught is to actually completely let go of the steering wheel and allow the... Um, the the car to, to find correct. its own equi- equilibrium exactly to, to correct itself yeah. um what we've been doing and you know from an economic standpoint and what we're doing what we've just literally done as a society and as governments with fucking corona is we've fucking hit that steering wheel and tried to control it and we're about to fucking flip the car over um because we haven't allowed it to naturally find its own homeostasis to find its own equilibrium every single natural system finds homeostasis and finds equilibrium and goes through a period of a little bit of pain, like whatever micro or macro level you look at this thing, whether it's um, getting you know a normal fever, getting sick, you go through a period where, you know, the body experiences that. So for example, me, I haven't taken a single drug, Panadol, antibiotic, anything like that for almost 15 years now. I haven't touched the fucking single thing. If I get any semblance of getting sick, for example, what I do is, like uh, a couple, what was it? Like I, I've been on the road now for eight months. So a couple of months ago, like I'd, I'd been on, I'd been in like fucking eight countries and on plane after plane after plane after plane. And, you know, this sort of, this kind of flu and fever and shit hit me. Um, and this was sort of before Corona got really popular. And what did I do? I fucking went and I, you know, sweated it out over a couple of nights. I, I went through the fucking process, went through the pain and came out the other end, you know, feeling much better and healing myself. So, so, all natural systems, you know, whether it's the body, whether it's society, whether it's the economy, will go through a period of, um, you know, call it correction, call it natural homeostasis and equilibrium. And yes, there's going to be some pain along the way, but this this notion of having to avoid every little bit of fucking pain and then taking stupid measures that cost more in the long term. For example, if I, when I was getting a little bit sick, I could have gone and pumped a bunch of drugs in my body, and hey, that may have masked the um, the symptoms and made me feel better in the moment. But it would uh, ruin. It would help ruin my constitution longer term. Um, and and you know, I, I just think we've lost touch with taking more natural, organic approaches versus interventionist approaches. And I think that is the core principle that um, you know diverges. You know, call it Bitcoiners and libertarians versus statists. Is that there's a natural approach and there's a interventionist approach. Um, and I just don't think interventionist approaches. Um, bode well for us um, in the long term. They might make us feel better in the short term and we might, you know, con ourselves into believing that somehow locking ourselves up in fucking iron houses is going to change this um, versus taking a more natural approach, which is educating people that, hey, 
again, I keep using the soap analogy, washing your hands after taking a shit is a fucking good idea. Um, and people doing that because like you caring about your dad, like me caring about my mom, um, you know, help, you know, mean this into reality. That is the most, that's the most powerful way for anything to become functional versus going on and forcing it on people. Next up, I talked to Alex more about the government reaction to the coronavirus. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing sponsors. So first up, it is the Mighty Kraken, the best place to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin, consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange. And whatever your level of experience, Kraken has designed and built a streamlined Bitcoin exchange for newcomers and experts alike. Their platform provides world-class financial stability because they maintain full reserves, healthy banking relationships, and the highest standards of legal compliance. They pair their 24-7, 365 live chat with extensive support center to ensure your questions are answered and your needs are met around the clock, no matter who you are or where you are. And with Kraken Pro, their beautiful mobile-first app, you can trade Bitcoin wherever you want. There is no better place to trade Bitcoin. So if you want to find out more, head over to Kraken.com or download the app, which is available for the iPhone and Android. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. And next up, we have the amazing BlockFi, the future of Bitcoin and financial services. So many announcements they've made recently. Firstly, a massive round of investment to expand the business, carrying on from the amazing year they had last year. Also, customers can send USD wires to the platform to purchase the Gemini dollar, GUSD, and you can start earning up to 8.6% on USD denominated assets. On top of this, they have their crypto back loans. They've got their interest accounts for your Bitcoin, Ether, and GUSD, something I am a customer of. They've got their mobile app coming, and they've got their stats back credit card coming. So much happening with BlockFi. If you want to find out more, then please do your own research and head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. So I think what we're saying is, it's that, it's that point of contention, right? It's the, it's the trade-offs. You're saying, let this wash through the system. Give people the, the the knowledge and let people know this is the, what we know about the condition. Yes, this is how we know it affects people. This is what you can do. Here's mm-hmm. some advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, you can self isolate and you can have some food stocked up. And but if you choose to not do that, this, these are the risks. Yep. This is what might happen to you. So th- that's the yep. that's the uh, but the trade off. For that is we we retain our freedom and our choice. Mm-hmm. We have a risk that some people might infect others, mm-hmm. but so be it. Mm-hmm. You know, humans are numbers, and and there will be some people who will die. Will it just happens that, that it's you know collateral damage. But that and I guess that's the point of contention is that you believe that's okay. Other people will believe that. If this is a risk that I they want state intervention to reduce that risk. Yeah, well, I, I that's think, a point of intervention, and the, and the trade off is is your freedom and liberties. I think it's your freedom and liberties, and I think it's also making the situation worse. So, like, even take out the freedom and liberties component. So, let's say this wasn't some Bilderberg, you know, lizard people conspiracy to take away our freedom. So, let, if we take that out of the equation, I actually think we've turned something which was potentially benign into a much larger fucking problem. Because I guarantee you the problems we're going to see now, I've had more complaints from people I love and care about, about them losing their job, about them having no fucking food, no money, no nothing um, coming into this. And that's going to impact their lives 
way fucking more than what Corona ever would have fucking impacted. So I think that what we've done is to even take out the um the authoritarian and libertist thing. That 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 that's fucking icing on the cake. The real problem is how we fucking approach this by shutting down the real economy and now taking fucking ridiculous um, approaches like this crazy ass fucking stimulus. Which guess what? You, you think you and I are going to see any of that fucking money? <laughs> no, no, of course not. And 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 also, I know full well. 18 months when we come out of this the economy will go through the uh, biggest boom fucking earth it will. and we know who and we know who will profit from of it of course okay so we, we we don't differ there let me ask you something else so everybody has the advice what they can do and can't do there is a potential under that scenario we have a recession anyway because so many people self isolate mm-hmm. because they're worried mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and or don't want to get on planes they just change their behaviors yep. so yep. You know, the airlines collapse but it's going to put, put a lot of people in a position whereby they're like crap i want to self-isolate but if i don't go to work i can't earn money so it, it's almost accepting that it washes through the system and we have no we have nothing in place to help those people who have no money we have nothing to in place to help those people who are who are so they have to work they have to work yep yep and 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 then everybody who is struggling financially because we go through a recession has to find some form of work or rely on some form of handout to get by. Unfortunately, um, that is that's the price we pay for a like again we're talking about a more um, utopian scenario here is the price we would pay for a more equitable society um, and for a society where. We um we don't have these situations where some fucker's gonna print a bunch of money and then pocket it themselves. Is that we're gonna go through periods where we do contract, and again, it comes back to that philosophy of a bit of pain. Um, you know, th- this this th- the the only difference is that in in that um, scenario, like if you have have you seen the differences of like the fires that happen in California and Baja? Um, you know, mm, so so you've got yeah, you've got frequent terrible. fires that happen in Baja. Um, but never big catastrophic fires versus in California, they keep um, stamping out the little fires and then every once in a while they have this catastrophic fire. So it's, it's the same principle and, you know, everything in nature and everything in society is that, um, you know, if we have more frequent, you know, uh, smaller amplitude um, downturns where, you know, just, you know, people have, you know, make mistakes, you know, human beings are imperfect versus trying to mask and cover that shit up to the point where, something catastrophic does happen and the fragility of the system is, you know, unveiled, you know, I, I would much rather take the cold turkey approach um, and, you know, deal with that shit on a more regular basis than mask it up, mask it up, mask it up until it becomes a fucking cancer that brings the whole system down, you know, and that analogy again mm. holds true with, um, with the car, you know, like the car's losing control. Um, just let it fucking go. It'll rebalance. It'll find its own equilibrium. All natural systems find their own homeostasis, um, and we, we've just lost touch with that. And the problem is, what I hope is that at some point, you know, part of society starts going cold turkey and just ex- starts to uh, live in a method that um, is more natural, you know, in its function versus this junky approach of um, trying to kick the fucking pain can down the road. Because at some point, like, we're not going to be able to, um, there is no amount of trillion dollar coins or government rule 
that's going to stop a larger disaster from happening. Like this may be the last time an interventionist approach will mask the underlying issues. So, so I'm actually, you know, I've, I've sort of had a divergence with a number of Bitcoiners where they think this is the big one that's going to bring the whole system down. I actually don't think it is. I think we're going to, um, I, I don't think coronavirus is anywhere near strong enough as a, um, as a pandemic to, um, to cause, you know, the quote unquote system to collapse. So I think, you know, 18 months from now, two years from now, three years from now, we'll be, um, we'll be at all time highs again in the market. We will have successfully printed our helicopter money our way fucking out of this and we'll inflate all the assets again. People will be, the, the real economy and Main Street will be poorer than ever. We'll increase the fucking inequality thanks to another rigged fucking set of decisions that we've made now. So structurally and internally, the system will be more fragile and more fucking prone to collapse. But on the surface, it's going to look like everything was okay and that we've, you know, thanks to government intervention, we've come out of this stronger and the markets are higher and all this bullshit. So we'll have this fake fucking... I don't disagree, approach. actually. Um, and my fear is that in five, ten years from now, when the next fuck-up happens, because the, the more you cover up the fuck-up, the greater the next one is going to be, that, that fucking explosion is going to make this one look like the dress rehearsal. And, and that's actually what I'm afraid of. So at some point, we have got to stop this fucking spiral. And unfortunately, you know, in the absence of um, voluntarily trying to stop the spiral... I feel like that the only thing that's going to stop the um, the spiral of stupidity is going to be an actual catastrophic event. And I don't think this is catastrophic enough. So I just feel like we're going to mask this one again and, um, and move on to bigger fucking problems, unfortunately. I don't disagree with that outcome at all, actually. I, I entirely agree that's going to happen. And I also think, I don't think the governments really have a choice. So if you look at every other government with their draconian lockdowns could you imagine just say in the uk boris johnson i mean he originally came out with his herd uh, mentality but could you imagine him coming and saying coming out and saying i think the best thing is we let this wash through the system yes people will die yes there will be some pain yes it will stretch the whole service but the economy will keep going we will maintain our civil liberties and you have freedom of choice just just in your like map that scenario out and, and then map then try and imagine what the response from the general public will be. I mean, unfortunately, this is also what you're describing there is just a function of the cushion society that we've um, managed to yeah. build, right? So but, it's like but could, no one's but got the what, balls what do you to think do that. Would happen, though? I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, but what do you think would happen? I, I think mean, there, I think you would see protests, I think you would see mass social unrest, and I think that would be a very short lived government. Unfortunately. And then I think the next <laughs> And then I think they will be replaced by a government that has to do what every other government does. Yeah. Well, I don't think I don't think they have a choice in this scenario personally because they they have to they have to follow the will of the people, not the will of the libertarians. Right? Well, yeah. Look, they have I mean, to follow I, the will of the people. I mean, I mean, unfortunately, they they do have a choice. It's just the consequence of the choice um, means that they'll get booted out. Um, exactly. So, and, so, and also because they don't have that choice, I don't think they have a, a choice. But to print money as well, I don't think they can say, "Look, this is our choice." But by the way, we're not we're not going to help you out. We are, as we both agree, we we are a socialist society. So they have to, and the only thing they can do is print money. So, and the sad thing is, is that it like the money printing itself is shit, right? But the worst thing about it is, it will make the rich richer, 
and it will make the poor poorer as well. It's, well uh, let, let's delineate there. It'll make the corrupt richer. So, so I, I think yes, um, yes, good point. We, we've yeah, we've made um, you know, we've vilified the the, the concept of rich um, to our own detriment. You know, we believe now being rich is something bad when the word rich actually describes something profound. You know, you can be rich in love, you can be rich in wealth, rich in wisdom. Like so, so richness. Anyway, that, that's just my two cents there. So yeah, it, it'll make yeah. the corrupt. Um, wealthier um, and have more, whilst it'll rob the rest of us. So, I mean, look, stimulus. Uh, I had a point here in my little notes. Is you know, stimulus is only required if you're literally blocking down the real economy. And when you kill the real economy and it's not producing anything, of course, everyone's going to go broke and you need money for shit. You know, but you know, the, you have a deeper question there, or you have a side question there. Is you know, what are people spending it on when all the businesses are fucking closed down? You know, like so. What's what's yeah. the end game here? So it's really messy. So th- this is where I come back to, you know, if 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 there was in the current paradigm a brave leader who was running a state and you know you know run running a nation or whatever, um, you know, the ideal thing that I think that brave person who doesn't exist could have done was the following: step one, you know, get rid of taxes um, for let's call it six months or a year or whatever. Number one. Um, number two, so this is instead of inflating. So, so uh, step number two is uh, economically incentivize the private sector to build, construct, and manufacture anything that can help, you know, quote, quote unquote, fight the virus. So whether that's um, beds, ventilators, masks, testing kits, or whatever. So, you know, no tax, whatever. Um, number three is bringing the, the education around this thing um, to bear. So like, you know, how does it actually fucking spread from what we know? Yada yada yada. Um, so that way people can make their own decisions. And number four, by no means should you go in and um, and forcefully shut down um, any businesses. Like nobody's got the fucking right to do that. So what will happen is, you know, initially you'll have some businesses that, to their own detriment, will continue to operate, and there will be people getting sick, and you know that'll happen. But very quickly you'll have what's called a systemic response, where some people they will be like, well, fuck this. I ain't going to work. I'm fucking going home. And they can voluntarily make the choice of foregoing some fucking income. And at some point, again, the system, through a bit of a messy process, will find its own equilibrium. Um, and people that really, really need to work will take extra precaution um, when they go to work. Um, and businesses that are smart, that are intelligent, that want to exist and survive, they may take some fucking precautions um, to ensure that you know, when they're working together, they're, um, you know, as safe and hygienic, et cetera, as possible. And what you'll have is that the economy and the system and the, and the society will find its way through it versus taking a fucking, like what we've done at the moment, we've taken a bat to everything. And, you know, it, like basically the, the way the government approaches this shit is, you know, everything's a nail and they've got a hammer and they're just going to beat the shit out of it. Um, but, 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 but are we in disagreement? We know it is nigh on impossible for a government to do that. Unfortunately, I mean, they can. Yeah, unfortunately, they can. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the reality we live in, right? So this sort of comes yeah. back to what we said earlier: is that, um, unfortunately, in the absence of us voluntarily, um, so, like pulling us like a, a consciousness circuit breaker in the world that says, "Hey, we're no longer gonna, you know, cushion ourselves and take the easy way out." Uh, unfortunately, the only way this um, Ponzi scheme is going to um, end is through some sort of catastrophic failure where, um, you know, the, the, the system does fundamentally collapse. And this, I think, is, our, um, is a glimpse into what that may look like. 
you know what's kind of, I don't want to say funny, but the 2008 financial crisis was a great trigger for the creation of Bitcoin, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what is happening right now is almost, yeah, it's almost like it's had its 10 years to build itself out. And now coronavirus is the validation where a big yeah the validation i guess 100 percent, 100 percent, 100 fucking percent like but i, I but I, I really struggle with this because i don't want to i definitely don't want to be in this position where it's like yay this is great for bitcoin because i would rather this was not happening but look it is I, happening i agree look it's it's but do you know what actually I'll, I'll challenge you on that like rather that this was not happening is that i feel like um you know maybe maybe as brutal as this may sound, maybe this is the um, the the kind of the catalyst for the critical mass of people that is required for this is um, the revolution. Yeah, maybe maybe it is, and maybe this is the modern form of revolution. Whereas you know, in days gone by, the revolution involved more like fucking jump on horseback and shoot the shit out of each other. Whereas you know, th mm. this might be a little bit different. You know, where we where we meme a new ideology. Uh, into place you know like yeah you know, so so i just i don't know there's part of me and and this is where people say you fucking snowflake and blah 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 i just i uh, i i'm always attracted to reporting on human suffering I, I i always want to get the story out there see what allow people to see what's happening so when when i went to venezuela whilst i went there to look at bitcoin really my interest was showing the human suffering for like the how tough the life is for people there not, not nothing perverse just like I just want people to realize there is human suffering here that and certain things that Bitcoin can't actually fix, which was an interesting thing. When I went to the Greece and Turkey border, I, I understand every side of the argument from uh, Turkey saying they've got too many migrants to Greece saying they can't accept anymore. In the middle are, uh, is human suffering, people who are, are living in a field with no food. And in this scenario, uh, in the end, whoever's right politically is, is very tough. Uh, again, I'm like attracted to reporting about the human suffering, the, the struggles the doctors are going through. The doctors and nurses who are going to work with a potential that, that they might contract something that could kill them. And it's so fucking brave and so difficult. And the, the choices, I've got a friend who works in Australia in an ICU. And he said, he was telling me that they're currently planning right now for for how they handle triage when they haven't got enough ventilators to treat everyone, how they're going to make their decisions. Yeah. And he's really struggling with that. And they're all the things that I end up thinking about as, as a, you know, quote unquote journalist. And I guess that's why sometimes maybe some of my thinking clashes with Bitcoin is because I, it, I don't know, it tugs at me and it tugs know, at my know, conscience but... and my soul. And I struggle to treat people as, I just, I just struggle to treat people as numbers. And, I know. And, and, and so look, so do I, man, for, for what it's worth. Um, but I, I think we, and this is where strength and courage comes from, is like tr trying to acknowledge that, be compassionate with that, but also at the same time realizing that that is the symptom for a, um, for, you know, that's caused by a, a greater problem. And if we confuse the, the symptom, th th this again comes back to the philosophy of, um, you know, what we're discussing earlier is like, Thinking symptomatically is what got us into a lot of these messes in the first place, and um, and if we if we you know confuse ourselves by you know by taking that compassion and um and misplacing our anger because we should be angry about this hands down like you know um, but 
misplacing that um, anger and using that to, you know, be the basis from which we make decisions. Um, I mean, that's never that's never a good idea. It's never a good idea, and, that, and then um, you, you get then viewed as a um, you know as a sick fuck who has no heart. But you know, sometimes making a level-headed decision, you know, requires um, you know having compassion, but being able to clear-headedly direct um, you know your anger and your um, your your subsequent desire for changing something in in the right place and and i think that's where um you know a lot of bitcoiners might come off harsh but because they've thought this through a lot a lot and they've sort of been saying it for so long um that they kind of short circuit to you're a fucking idiot <laughs> which i do as well so, so so i by the way i've loved this i mean i think this is a really good rational debate where We've kind of got to flesh out our different thinking points and challenge them, go back and forth. So I think that's a lot more useful uh, than, say, on Twitter, where somebody makes a point and people just start insulting each other. <laughs> you know, I think I think this is these are important points to discuss because there is ideology and there is also practical reality. And I think I I think you and I wrestle in different areas with you know, practical reality and you know, ideology and etc etc but I, I guess the I guess the question I have for you is that where are you in this practical reality that what what do you think now how do we deal with the practical reality of where we are right now do you I mean are you in acceptance that I guess the state needs to do something no, again, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in acceptance that the state because that's why I am. will do something. I, I'm in acceptance that the state will do something. I'm in the hope that um, this, um, this proves to uh, be more benign than it is and that the state um, will hopefully get the fuck out of the way quicker than um, it will. But, but I, I feel like that's more a hope than a, um, than a reality. So me personally, what I'm trying to do at this point in time is I'm trying to be a voice of reason. So, so I guess let's, let's look at what's hap happening and what I can do. So what, what I'm trying to do personally is I'm trying to be a voice of reason and trying to remind people that, hey, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't, don't let fear be the basis from which you, you know, make life decisions now um, because that's you know, how we got ourselves into this um, whole you know, mess in the first place, like you know, making... Mm making decisions from a place of complete fucking fear and bending over for somebody to, you know, rape you even further is not how you get out of being raped. Um, so so that, that's one thing I can do. The other thing I can do is maintain my own fucking health and immune system. So every day I've been outside running, building my lungs up, staying fucking, you know, physically fit and strong. I've been eating healthy. I've been ensuring all of that. I've been, you know, writing more content. I've been, you know, working on my business as best as I can so that I can make sure that, you know, we survive through this fucking period as well. Um, making sure that, you know, my staff and my employees are still fucking, um, you know, working, that they've still got a fucking wage, um, you know, educating my family and friends and people that I care about and saying that, Hey, look, you know, this shit will blow over. It's not the end of the fucking world. Stay safe, be sensible. Um, but also don't fucking blindly, you know, give up, you know, you're right to be fucking human over this thing. You know, don't, don't, don't cower away now because this is the moment where human beings are fucking tested and we, you know, 
it's either going to call on the best of us or the worst of us. Um, so, so I'm trying to maintain being a voice of reason in and amongst the backdrop of, you know, what the state and nation states are going to do, which is they're fundamentally going to take the fucking easy way out, which is the easy way out in the short term, but is going to be the hard way out for the rest of us in the long term. So, um, and, it's because and people, that can't is, people can't morally accept, um, morally accept that we don't do something, we don't try and do something. It, 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 in their mind, they just can't accept that. I think that's what it is. And there's different reactions, by the way. Countries are doing. I think some of the stuff Taiwan is doing is very interesting. It's still state centralized state planning, but it's interesting. Uh, I just, just, I guess the position I was coming from, Alex, is that I. I know the state is going to do something, and I know there are battles you can win and lose. There, there is the unwinnable battle right now is stopping the state doing anything because the the speed at which they're reacting it's just happening. We've seen it country by country these these draconian measures being brought in. I know, but um, what what you should be doing is calling out in your tweet. You should be saying, "I think the government should." Take less draconian measures and more practical measures instead of calling for more draconian measures because that's that's probably yeah, but, the wrong but, but, but they're debating it today and it's going to be passed today. That this is it, for me, it's not the battle that can be won. The battle that I think is worth having is how do we? What can we do best to ensure they retract from those positions once this is over? So Man, I, I think that's it, a losing it, battle it, as well. That that's that's about as that's about. That that has the same. Well, is there? Because, but but the, but the 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 biggest contention of debate debate today in in UK Parliament is the length of these measures. So if these measures are six months to be reviewed, that's a win. That is actually what I'm saying about. Well, that I, is I highly doubt it. Like like I said, even even if we take out the um the conspiracy theory element, in six months there's going to be another problem, which is going to require them to maintain the fucking laws. I guarantee. Well, no, I I think they're going to have to maintain it because I don't think we're going to be out of coronavirus. But the these we're not stopping these last laws being passed. They are going through today. It is happening. There's nothing anyone is gonna do to stop them happening, right? So that you can you can shout from the rooftops and complain and moan. I I with the within a week the troops will be on the streets of the UK. And by the way, that's not always a negative. When when we have the floods. The troops come out, the army comes out and helps shore up defences for people's houses, which is a very good and cool thing that they do. Mm. But but the troops are going to be on the streets keeping people in their homes, which is the things that people are, are scared about. We're not, this is not going to not happen. So we I mean, can shout the, all we want about it and say, this is the, terrible. In the spirit of your show Defiance, I mean, you know, we should be defying that, you know, like fucking we should be playing Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> I think some people misunderstand the role of defiance. The, the, the role of defiance is to re represent defiant actions. It's not to say that I agree entirely with the, every single one all the time. Yeah, okay? well, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah so, in, but, but, so what I'm saying is if, if, if we live in a democracy and the, the government is to deliver the will of the people and the will of the people is that they want social distancing and they they want uh, this to happen maybe the will of the people is to have the troops on the street i highly doubt that, the will of the people is that i think the will of the people i don't know i don't know what i'm saying is if that is the will of the people then that is the will of the people if if the minority think this is an infringement on civil liberties and they don't want this and they want to force it through then that's authoritarianism 
in, in, in because it's 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 choose it's a minority choosing what should happen for the majority. And I know we're in murky territories here. Very murky. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is, this is happening. There is no stopping this. These laws will pass today. It will happen. What can be fought is their attraction. And what we can do is put pressure on the politician and the rebels today who are going to hopefully get it kept to six months to keep the pressure on them to say, in six months, what are you doing? Yeah, true, but you you don't keep the pressure, Pete, by saying that, oh, we need more draconian laws. You keep the pressure by trying to wake people up and say that, hey, this is being fucking overblown and look at the systemic fucking issues we're causing. I I don't know if it is being overblown. I've got no way. I've got no, I'm not experienced. I'm not uh, somebody who works in this area. I cannot. I cannot say it. I don't even think you can say it. I can. Uh, I think. I, I always refer. You, you to can't tell me that people having no money and no work, um, what that's going to do to them psychologically, emotionally, physically, and um, economically is going to be worse than a um, than a virus. You cannot. I tell don't me know. That, I don't. I don't. I can't. Well, I can tell you what I don't know how to do is how to measure it. I don't know how to measure it, and I don't know how to predict it. I can. I can make assumptions and I can listen to arguments, but there is no way I can uh, categorically say which scenario is better. Well, I none of us can. None. None of us can because we don't have a crystal ball. But we can take some yes. first principles approaches to saying that hey, even if one to three percent of the fucking world died from corona tomorrow, it is still better than. 50, 60, 70% of the world having no fucking work for months on end because that is going to cause a much bigger problem than 1% to 3% of the fucking world dying. I guarantee you. Like, that, that is just a simple fucking... So, so Alex, let, let me ask you this on a personal level. Would you rather die or have six to seven months of no work? If I, was, if I had to be fucking cooped up in a, um, in a house with the threat of going to jail outside um, or the threat of being shot down by a fucking military, I'd probably go outside and be a rebel yeah cool but i'm saying would you rather die or having six to seven months of no work i mean the point i think i think this is what this is the question we're asking people again we're not this is not the question we're asking libertarians this is a question we're asking society as a whole do you want this trade-off and i am not seeing i'm i'm not seeing a massive well, okay. rejection of these trade-offs from people. I'm not. When I look, see, a very good benchmark is seeing what people say on Twitter and seeing what people say on Facebook. Twitter is Bitcoin world, right? Mm-hmm. Libertarian world. Facebook is the real world. And all I'm seeing in the real world is people saying, I'm not going to work. I'm going to socially distance. Everyone should do the same. We're all in this together. How can we help each other? And and that's what I'm seeing. So I'm not seeing a massive rejection of this trade-off in the real world. I'm only seeing a massive rejection of the trade-off in crypto Twitter world. It's um, I think the the the, the big differences there is that um you've got a community that has um embraced the cushioning and the bending over versus a community that has um finally seen through it. And what's happened time and time again is that the community that has seen through it, I particularly the Bitcoin Twitter, were talking about, you know, money printing. We're talking about authoritarian draconian measures. Like we've been talking about this shit, and every single thing that we basically said has come to light. Versus the ones that are in those Facebook communities that you're discussing, which are quote unquote the real world. They're the ones who keep getting, you know, pardon my French, but jacked in the fucking ass consistently, and. Uh, adopting 
and supporting measures that bend them over even further without critically thinking. But what's happening is small subsets of those groups are slowly shifting towards the Bitcoin Twitter type community and waking up because they've sort of in the, if you've seen the network from the 70s, you know, they've, you know, they've had enough, they, they can't take it anymore, yada, yada, yada. So they, they sort of finally pop. Um, I, you know, th- th- that's an unfortunate and also, I think reality. Thing that. I, I think some people haven't actually felt the pain yet either. That's so true as well. That's I true think, as well. I think some people say, accepting this, we're all into this, this together. Let's let's go forward three months, haven't worked, maybe haven't got the money, can't pay the mortgage, everything's getting a bit more stressful. It's, maybe there's a breakdown in uh, food supplies. Yeah, w- w- wait then, until that happens. Then, wait until that happens, exactly. Then then we might see a reaction. But again, we don't know what that, what if that's going to happen. The government may print themselves out of this. We know that's a long-term poor solution, but maybe they can print their way out of it. Again, we don't know this. And I, I'm, I can't just live in a world where I, I make content based purely on a single demographic of people, which is Bitcoiners. I have to consider everybody. Yeah, but what you've and, got to do is you've got to try and be a bridge to get these fucking, this Facebook community that you mentioned of that sort of level of thinking. You've got to bridge them across to this fucking more critical method of <laughs> do thinking. Do you not think I try, dude? Like, I, you know what, you should well, add me yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, okay, fine. You do, you do. But <laughs> You should add me, on, add me on Facebook and go and see all my posts. I post a picture of me and the kids out, out in, a, in a park and I'll get 150 likes. I talk about I, I literally the other day. Let, let me give you a couple of examples so, so you actually know what I'm, I'm. I'm desperately trying with these people. I actually lost a friend over one of the posts. Mm-hmm. Uh, she like, told me a selfish and greedy. <laughs> uh, right. So with the this is a post the other day, right? With the announcement of massive cash injections into the markets in the US, UK, and France, keep an eye on inflation numbers. While inflation is baked into monetary policy, it's essentially a hidden tax. Inflation reduces the value of money and investments. Injections of liquidity in the market may be a necessity for saving the economy, but will have a direct impact on all of us. With the expectations that this could be an 18 months of squeeze, these massive injections of cash to maintain liquidity in the market will likely see higher levels of inflation. As well as the obvious, holding uh, as well as the obvious means Bitcoin, because they all know me as a Bitcoiner. Holding gold is not a bad option. Scarce assets tend to hold value better. Okay, I've been doing this, and that's just one example. For two years, I post Bitcoin shows. I talk about Bitcoin. Nobody fucking cares, mate. Honestly, maybe like one in every five hundred people cares. They just don't care, and it doesn't matter yeah. how you teach them, how you explain it. They've got to go through the pain. I know. I know. Well, actually, you, you touch on an interesting point for me. So when people ask me, you know, because I always get asked the questions like, "Oh, so when does mass adoption happen, or when does everyone start?" Uh, getting Bitcoin. I, I actually came up with an answer on this, I think on um, Marty, with, with Marty and Matt O'Dell um, about a year or two ago. And, and I, I said, people come to Bitcoin for two reasons and two reasons only, curiosity or pain. And that's it. No, you are, no, 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 no. You, you're missing one out there. They, they come for number go up. Uh, people come because they've heard, they've heard about people making money. When it's a bull market, they just fly and they think I can make some fucking money. Yeah, but that that's curiosity. That that you can you can broadly chuck that yeah. under curiosity because they're curious about how they can make more money. Um, or yeah, I think that's a stretch. Okay, okay, could, could a, be a stretch. A curiosity. Fine, fine, fine. I, th- okay. I think curiosity is more on the economics and the curious people, the ones who got. So the, I, the reason I think it's different, I think the curious ones will go and read Safety's book. They'll check out my podcast. They'll go down the rabbit hole. The number go up, people. We'll put some money in and try and get out before it drops. Maybe lose money and fuck off again. I think they're definitely different. 
So, so look, yeah, you're right. It, it is a stretch, but I think, I think if we change to people come to Bitcoin or people kind of come into Bitcoin, which is a slight difference in, um, you know, coming into Bitcoin is then starting to be involved in it. Um, you know, people will stay for either pain or curiosity. Um, and I think, unfortunately, well, unfortunately, I mean, this is just the way the universe works, is that there will be a Pareto's distribution, meaning that a couple percent are going to be there for curiosity and the remainder are going to be there for pain. Um, and, I mean, that that's, you know, g- generally speaking, human beings only really change shit if they're either proactive or if they're forced to change. Um, and the force generally comes as a result of pain, which is also why removing pain receptors from any system is really fucking dangerous because the pain is what, you know, tells you that you need to do something about the situation. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll, on, we'll only ever have a couple percent of society be proactive um, in the, the changes and the decisions they make because they're curious enough to either... Li- and you know what? Actually, number go up could really fall into curiosity because... You know, there's there's a presupposition for why um, you're interested in number go up, and that might be, you know, the the interest or the desire to, you know, live a better life, to make more money because you have some sort of fucking interest. So you're searching for a way to um to better your life. So so I, I guess you know you could you could bring it under that umbrella. But I mean, so the silver lining in amongst all of this shit of the um of the knee jerk reaction and of the ridiculousness of you know, shutting down an entire real economy um, is that maybe that is the um, the pain that a larger swathe of you know the populace needs in order to realize that there's something fucking structurally wrong here. My concern though is that they're probably going to point um, to the wrong things. They're probably going to point to uh, it's capitalism, or uh, it's it's uh, it's the rich, or uh, it's you know something like that. So that that's probably a big danger of um you know, the cause not being understood, only the symptom being looked at as the problem. Mm. Um, and the symptom being that, you know, some people are going to come out of this wealthier. Um, you know, I, I put a tweet up the other day saying that, you know, people are going to call Bitcoiners lucky in the future for, um, you know, because if it wasn't for Corona or insert X pandemic here, um, you know, Bitcoin wouldn't have succeeded, you know, like, which I think is you know going to be unfortunately one of the things we're going to have to deal with. And, and, and that won't change until people start thinking causally instead of symptomatically, which is, a, again, a much bigger fucking societal problem. Do you know what would be interesting is to do this again in a month and see where we are, see how yeah, a lot sure. of this, this has played out. Um, yeah. it's, it's been really interesting to do this and just because I, I guess, I don't know if it's been the same, for, well, I know it's been the same for you because I've really had to think about my own thought process through thought processes through this. And I can't, I just can't live in that position where I, I just think from a single viewpoint. I have to weigh it all up. I have to try and think about wider society and how other people will react and what other people are thinking as well. It's, it's really hard not to do that. Um, mm. I, I find it, I, I, I understand the reaction to, to my tweet. Like I do. I think some of it was really well articulated and some of it was just fucking childish. I think I think a response to that just saying you're just a slave. I think it's it's not useful. It doesn't add anything. There's no there's no progress made. No one's no one's no one's going to change their mind just because you called them a slave or a statist. It just doesn't happen. Well, it, it, it might, it might be action. <laughs> 
Well, no, it just does nothing. It, but it does make me want. I, I just want to uh, more discuss it with someone like like yourself. Um, I, I'm, for me, I'm wrestling with really a lot a lot of subjects here, a lot of different points. I'm, I really am wrestling with that. I'm not trying to be a, a support the breakdown of civil liberties. I'm not trying to enslave people and. And also, I don't think my government is sat there rubbing their hands going, mwahaha, let's create new rules and, and, and then save our population. I think they genuinely are trying to save lives and stop a breakdown of the health system. I, I, I believe that. I do think there are risks, though, that they get new powers and they enjoy them and they don't relinquish them and, yeah. and they use them for future bullshit. Yep. But, but, it, but I am really wrestling with this, Alex. I, I think that, but I think they're also more just going to end up... I think a lot of the um, damage that government does is more the the notion of a, chi- a bull in a china shop, is that um you know they 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 have powers that nobody else has, um, and you know with great power comes great responsibility. All right, Spider Man, um, and you know the, the the problem with um you know wielding such you know powers is that any thing you do has you know, second, third, fourth, fifth order effects that you just can't measure. And, and this is the problem which, which you know, Bitcoiners and libertarians, you know, always talk about is that when you have complex systems, the more you fuck with them, the more, um, you know, down the line effects you have that you just can't measure that generally uh, turn out worse than letting the natural, uh, you know, state of affairs play out itself. So, so if, if I'm going to tie off my viewpoint, um for this entire thing is that um, I, I think nature and natural complex systems have their their own systemically perfect way of rebalancing. Um, you know, whether we look at plagues or anything, you know, like viruses or whatever, they've been with us since the beginning of time. Um, and, and part of the problem, particularly in modern times, is that we see ourselves separate from everything. We see ourselves separate from nature, separate from the world, separate from viruses, separate from bio, you know microbiomes separate from you know um you know natural law Each that other. we can somehow fuck exactly separate from and, and somehow we think that we can outsmart fucking nature and we do stupid things which always just seems to come back to my analogy of the car losing control and we we will fucking kill ourselves in the process instead of taking a step back and thinking in a more symbiotic sort of um manner that you know things are interconnected they're beyond our ability to you know hit with a hammer and fix and um mm. and and the, you know this this is society's you know I, I, this whole corona thing is society's opportunity to um to potentially take a divergent viewpoint one that is um you know more natural in its uh, in its essence but unfortunately like you said um you know taking a more um hands-off approach that I believe would be better long term for us, um, and may cause a little bit of panic in the short term. But I think, you know, quickly correct itself is probably uh, wishful thinking because of how much we've cushioned society and the um, and the the layers of um, you know pain receptor that we've removed from society at large. That has now you know got us in a situation where we expect somebody to fix everything for us, and and that's just an unfortunate situation. And I think. You know, coming back to what we said earlier is that maybe, you know, the real solution to all of this is, you know, five, ten years from now, the whole fucking thing comes crashing down. And um, who knows, maybe at that point, Bitcoin will be a strong enough and large enough life- lifeboat that, um, you know, there will be some salvation for some. <laughs> do, you, do you see with this how it's possible 
that people could listen to this conversation and think we're both right in that I think you're entirely right about your analysis of of kind of I would say the way people are making decisions and your analysis of the financial system and how we're set up in a really bad way but also do you see but they can also agree that perhaps Pete's also right in that there is no other option right now because we do live in a with a state and we are socialist and the state ha- has to respond do you, do you do you think it's a scenario one of those scenarios where in some ways we're both right look right again a fucking spectrum right um it's uh i still think that go on well do you think it's it's more that actually we're both bringing valid things to the table that need fleshing out and debating so for example i would say in, entirely that we we must and we should debate the role of government and the role of money i think i think we must do because we've made so many mistakes and i also think we entirely have to consider the have to debate the fact that the government is going to respond how should they respond and how should we react to that I think rather than just ignoring either of them, I think to ignore either of them is is dangerous. Yeah, so I think um, if we, I, I think the common ground here is that we can agree that all of this stuff needs to be discussed. Um, I think what maybe you could do better, in my humble opinion, is um, is instead of you know coming out with um, with a tweet that says you know I'm a statist, I think that you know we must have the state sort of introduce laws. I think maybe a, a better way to approach that may have been. Well, I didn't say that, but hold on, hold on, hold on. But I didn't say that. I didn't, that's, that's the thing. I, I, and, and words are important here. Okay. I didn't say we must have new laws. Not one point. Sorry, not, not new laws, but um, we, you know. It's, I said draconian centralised planning. So mm-hmm. I said right now I'm definitely a statist, and I am a statist. I believe right now in state intervention in this situation, and I very much agree with what Nassim Taleb came out with. I'm not sure if you saw that. Um, but right now, and definitely a state is, I think we need draconian centralised planning to reduce the spread of coronavirus and the overwhelming of our health system. That was the first point of the tweet. I never said about new laws. I was fearful of new laws, and I said, I am though thinking about post-coronavirus and how we ensure governments retract from their new powers. But I have no desire for them to have new powers. I just know they're going to have them. It's it's happening today. Yeah. Okay. So I'm I'm looking at your tweet again. So I, I think um, you know maybe, and again it's really hard on Twitter because you know you don't have enough space to really you know, uh, well describe you know what you want to say. Um, no. Because really, this needs like twenty tweets to flesh out every possible map out every scenario. It does. It does. It needs, it needs, take, needs take a whole fucking book, right? Exactly. So, so that's impossible to do. So, so I think maybe, maybe using your platform and your reach to sort of you know try and wake people up to the to maybe the risks of draconian centralized planning. I think is also a very valid um, element, and and I hope that I've sort of represented some of those risks during this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, because my my argument is that those risks are actually greater than um, the risk of, you know, doing nothing. A or B. What I think is probably the um, because we live in a paradigm of you know state-run nations um, 
of a light touch. And I described what I believe the light touch, you know, approach should be, which is, you know, um, removing taxes for a period. So tax, tax holiday, um, incentives for a couple select things and, um, you know, uh, open information about this. And number four is just allowing people to, you know, make the decisions on their own about their businesses. So I think, um, you know, that that would be the way I would approach it if I was, um, you know, leading a state, um, you know, in today's paradigm. Yeah, and I think that would probably be more functional than doing nothing because I think doing nothing would probably cause a greater uproar. Um, yeah, I just don't think we can ignore the state right now. I, th- I think I think people can choose themselves to ignore it and stand for their uh, central principles, mm-hmm. but but I, I I don't think I think other people have to consider what the state's going to do and have to. I, I think it's impossible. Not, I think it's. I think ignoring the state is ignoring practical reality and, and also ignoring the vast majority of society. Yeah, so may, maybe what you could do is put out a tweet that's like saying that, hey, look, um, I'm a reforming statist <laughs> and I acknowledge <laughs> the fact that draconian centralised planning will occur um, and my intent here is to try and spread some information that keeps people you know, awake during this period so that way they don't give up their civil liberties and freedoms out of from a state of fear um and while yeah, there is a slight difference there i, I don't want to acknowledge like, uh, it's going to happen <laughs> no because i actually think some of the centralized planning will be better i do i think it would be better and decentralized and look we, we, we've done two hours and 40 minutes we could go on forever mm-hmm. but the reason i said that is i i believe i think there's certain things the state right now in this very moment can do better than the the free market or 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 a better choices than doing nothing, and then, so that's why I said I'm a statist because I, I, right now I be, I believe in the state. I'm not kissing their ass. I'm not begging them to help. I, I I'm fine. Like I've already put in place the things I need. I'm perfectly fine. My family's fine. My family's uh, already prepared for this. I am not thinking about me. I'm thinking about other people, and I think. I'm thinking about the frontline medical staff. I'm thinking the less well-off in society, the 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 teenager with asthma who might get sick. And I think there's certain things that the government can do, which the free market can't. But and that's why I said it. Okay. Uh, Well, let's um, let's come back. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's let, let's maybe let's maybe do this again in yeah, like you said, a month or two, and just see where I things think, are at. Yeah. Um, I think this is my longest ever interview, by the way, Alex. Really? Yeah, I don't think I've done. I've got. I've done a couple around this length. It, it might cut under with the the few uh, few bits of where we lost connection, but but yeah, I think uh, we're at Rogan level length of show here. There we go. <laughs> Fucking us. <laughs> But let's come back to it. I think it's look. It's been very, very useful for me. I'm glad I got to explain my position to somebody, and and also just really challenge my thinking here. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. All right, man. Well, listen. Look, we we should always close out by letting people know how to find you and if they want to contact you. Sure, sure. So, um, I I have deleted most of my shit, but I'm on Twitter. So Alex Svetsky, A L E K S. S V E T S K I, um, but I'm sure that'll be somewhere in the show notes, or it'll be yeah. pop up on Twitter anyway. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, and then then for those who are interested in what I'm working on, I, I, I mean, I work on an app called Amber, which is a dollar cost averaging Bitcoin app. So that's sort of my main gig. But um, I also like to write a lot. So um, so I do a lot of writing on Medium, and I also wrote in combination with uh, Nick Carter, Haas, McCook, Gigi, Dan Held, um, Connor Brown, Rory Highside, and Robert Breedlove. We put together this thing called the Bitcoin Times, which is I mean, funny, one of the pieces in there, I sort of touch on um, a lot of the stuff that we just discussed in this, but it was written, you know, a good six months ago. So it might be worth people having a read of it. It's called Rise of the Individual, Fall of the State. Um, and it's, um, yeah, I think I think it's an important piece um, to help, you know, give people, you know, a, a very important viewpoint as we as we navigate through this period. All right, cool, man. Well, I definitely want to check that out. Um, appreciate you coming on. This is, uh, yeah, this has been really good, man. Well, let's uh, let's stay in touch and then let's possibly revisit this in a month. And it'd be interesting to see if our views have changed and, and what's actually happened because I think we'll have a lot more information. Indeed. But, uh, Indeed. Take take care, man. Uh, stay safe. Stay healthy, both physically and mentally. And if you ever need anything, you know exactly where I am. And I'll speak to you soon, man. Indeed. All right, bro. Take care, man. Likewise. Okay, so what did you think of that? Did you enjoy that show? I am looking forward to the response to this. I know there are people in the Bitcoin world who are libertarians or anarcho-capitalists. I also know there are people who kind of understand the practical realities of living in a system with a state and are trying to wrestle with these choices as I am. These are very tough subjects we're discussing here. Democracy, freedom, civil liberties, the economy, how we all function together as a society, how we respect the wishes of others. Now, libertarianism is new to me. I've made a few shows about it. I've made one with Stefan Levera, a couple with Eric Voorhees, Michael Goldstein, and I'm always fielding at them the questions that I have, the things I'm concerned about. I, I, I'm not sure it, if it is the perfect solution that people think it is, but I do I do appreciate a lot about it. I think there's a lot to like about libertarianism, but I don't know if the free market will fix everything like some people think, seem to think it does. I think it often dismisses some types of human behavior, especially greed. I do, though, agree with property rights and think they should be respected. I agree that the free markets are in some ways more efficient. I, I do dislike a lot of regulation that we have that comes in from the government. And I've noticed this a lot more since I've started learning about libertarianism. I think I've had a, I've been more aware of some of the regulations that come in from the government. I've looked at it with a different lens. But I've not always been fully convinced that a completely unregulated market is perfect. Uh, I worry about things like, say, Uber, what they did in India, which I think was terrible. And, and I covered that with Michael Goldstein, if you want, want to check that out. I do question, you know, some people are saying that uh, a libertarian society would deal with coronavirus in a much better way. Again, I'm not convinced. I don't know if you can fully map this out. Would coordination be faster? Uh, better under a, a completely free market or or does a centralized government have the ability to react and implement things in a faster and better way again i don't know all the answers to these things and there are people with opinions on both sides and i do want to debate it rather than just shout or cheerlead one side certainly there are serious questions with regards to the initial response from the ccp and the suppression of information but they have also managed to suppress the spread of the virus in a different way to Italy. Yeah, uh, 
we have Italian deaths now way ahead of China's. And that, this isn't me supporting authoritarian rule, but are there things we can learn by looking at every different scenario and then weigh up the trade-offs? This is something I want to do. So I'm not suggesting that I, I also would like to live under Chinese rule. No, fuck that. But I do want to just measure and just look at every possible scenario, how different countries are reacting to this, because we are living in unprecedented times. Everybody is judging this. Everyone has an opinion. And I'm trying to, like most people, make sense of this because this is the strangest time I've ever lived in. It's really, really fucking surreal. But yeah, so happy to debate this, happy to talk to anyone about this. I think we should avoid leveling insults of people and just saying you're a status or a slave. As I think this closes down the argument. And if you close down the argument, you close down the debate. And I just don't feel that is particularly useful. So I hope listeners understand why I'm approaching these subjects and challenging this type of thinking and happy to discuss with anyone. You can just reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. And yeah, living in lockdown here now, going to continue making shows. And yeah, I've got, a, I've got a few coming up focusing a bit more on the financial side, uh, a bit more on what this means uh, for Bitcoin, and also going to be carrying on looking at the state response to this. So any questions, do feel free to reach out to me. It is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Bitcoin did.com.